Good to have you here on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for making us a part of your day. Plenty to get to here on the show. Corey Yates will join us, co-founder of, uh, and of trying to read my own uh, notes here, of Recruiting Analytics. Uh, he will join us. Well, obviously, he's done a lot of uh, analytic work there for the Combine NFL. We'll get the uh, kind of his thoughts on how you put together all this information we're gathering nowadays around uh, sports. So he will join us also coming up in the final hour of the program. Mike Renner, lead football analyst for Pro Football Focus, uh, will join us. And uh, we'll hear from uh, Opio Mashariki of Savannah State. First time uh, men's and women's basketball teams both in the NCAA D2 uh, tournament. So uh, it, men won the Conference championship, women lost in the conference championship game, but both teams going into the NCAA D2 tournament. He will join us coming up in the final hour. But Ben, the combine is over. Obviously, dudes are picking them up and putting them down. I, I think you said as position groups, we saw more quote-unquote fast guys. I know BJ asked a question last week of what do you consider fast? I mean, we saw a lot of that, especially from wide receivers, running backs, uh, cornerbacks there at the combine, even some you know DNs and things of that nature. Ooh, what do I consider fast? I consider three hundred and forty-one pounds, four four seven eight fast, or four seven one, or whatever it was with Jordan Davis. I think, I think Jordan Davis coming out of this thing was kind of like the talk of it because Kevin. I mean, when you see a guy three hundred, you want to see a sub five forty. That's that's fast, right? Four sevens, man. That's scary fast. That's scary fast for a man that big. And obviously, you got kind of what line, slow linebackers will run that fast. Yes, right? I mean, yes. I mean, anything. Listen, you four six four seven guy. You, you got plenty of speed. I will say, DN out of Virginia Tech four three seven. Uh, I think uh, the tight end out of Maryland. I mean, I don't want to butcher these guys' name. I think like a four five two. The the, the wide receivers. I don't even. I mean, Chris Olave four two six. I think you had. I think you had ten receivers like sub four three sub four two. You had ten, the slowest, I want to say, the top 10 DBs, the slowest one of the, of the fast, was Kyle Elam from Florida, 4-3-9. Um, I, I think when you think about the combine, though, Kevin, I think when you when we, when looking back on it, it's a chance to show off a little bit. There are players who are also great athletes. Like, you're looking for every reason to say, okay, they didn't check off this box. Height, check. Weight, check. Wingspan, check. Outside of Kenny Pickett, hand size, Check. Then you start breaking down, okay, uh, the intangibles. How fast is he? 4-3. Oh, my God. How do you look in the drills? Solid, fluid. And a lot of these guys made them some money. So for everybody that be thinking that while the combine is a little bit exaggerated, and you did have guys like Evan Neal and Derek Steenley Jr. decide to opt out and not do it, that those guys that went out there and uh, and performed and you and you shut the combine down, how much, how much better do you feel going into your pro days knowing I don't have to run again? Like, I don't have to try to, quote, improve on my time. I don't have to worry about doing the lifting. Now, do I still have to do individual work? Yeah. But just imagine if all you have is the pro day. Speaking from a person who, who did it that way, you're putting pressure on yourself to have to perform at the pro day compared to saying, look, man, I already got a time when everybody's in there doing I mean, there are four threes and four twos are jumping up. I mean, we had to do run a four, two, three. Sauce Gardner, uh, cornerback out of, um, out of Cincinnati. Some people got some people got to project as number one cornerback, 6'3, 200 pounds, 441, 79-inch wingspan. I mean, I, all I'm saying is got a wingspan similar to freaking Kevin Durant, and he's 6'3, running 441. So, yes, Kevin, I believe that number one, it, it shut it, it told a lot of people to shut up to, to the people out there saying, hey man, I'm just as athletic. No, you're not. 
The most athletic <laughs> guy that was there was Jordan Davis because of his size. Six, what, six, he's taller than Grunk. And I think Grunk ran a 40, like, I think Grunk was like a 4'6". He was a 4'7". So, so when people start saying the best athletes in the world that you just seen about 300 or something of them, but shout out to everybody that, that uh from the quarterbacks to the running backs. I mean, all those guys look really, 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 really impressive, Kevin. And and I think too, if you look, if if you feel nervous about uh, performing at the combine, don't do it. The reason why I say don't do it because they're going to compare you to those guys who are out there running. Yeah, and they're going to compare you to the guys who are out there doing it. But very, very impressed by everybody there. I mean, it was too many standouts to really name one. The University of Georgia represented in a huge way. I think everybody that was there for. I think that freaking punter ran like a four <laughs> six or something. It was crazy, but. Uh, no, it was it was uh it was impressive. I was very very impressed about everybody who was there. Um, Sean McVay for, for for people who want to know how serious he take the combine. Him and his fiance, well, they, they uh they're on the beach somewhere. He's gonna trust his scouting department. Now, look, man, I just went through a whole season. I won a Super Bowl. I'm not going to combine. I'll t- tell me who you like, right. tell me who you didn't like. But no, Kevin, I was impressed with everybody who decided to put their hands on the line. And like I said, man, bigger, faster, stronger is an understatement. When you look at what some of these guys are able to, sure. some of the numbers some of these guys are able to put up, and people expected a really deep draft. Obviously, these guys have had time to prepare to uh, to get ready for for the combine. And now, Ben, we've asked leading into this thing, you know, people don't work out at the combine because they want the pro day. As you said, are there guys now that maybe said, "Well, I'll do the pro day too," who maybe say, "Nope, nope, not going to do it." I mean, if you ran sub four four in any of those, like there is no reason to do anything else. Let the tape speak for itself and say, "I, I ran a." Sub four three, right, or sub four four, uh, and and you'll probably be fine. I know you kind of said, look, not a fan of working out at the combine when mm-hmm. you can work out in a comfortable spot. But if you're a guy that goes ahead and does it, you feel like, hey, this eliminates the the pro day for me. I don't need to do it. Yeah, and I, and I will say this. Listen, I I what size does not fit all when you talk about the combine and what you decide to do. You've been at these training facilities the whole time to do this, and and now you get to breathe some. Right? Let me let me let me just say this. What is fast at the combine? Look, you're talking about men what, four five, four six, four seven, four. That's fast. That's extremely is it, the reason why they do rich eyes and at the run rich run at the end to show you just how they don't even let Rich start. Rich starts, Rich is probably like halfway through the he probably got like twenty, maybe ten yards left, and they let the guy come off the line and look at how fast he he they just run he just run by people. I oh, mean, yeah. as far as, and uh, I respect everybody that went out there and performed though. I do because Kevin, Cam, everybody's listening. This is the best. This, this is the biggest interview of your life, and unfortunately, your physical traits are on display. If you if I'm confident, I'm gonna go out there and get it done. Aiden Hutchinson, I think ran like a four, eight. To put it in context, Aiden Hutchinson, what I think he was like six six, about two sixty. He ran a four seven five. Jordan Davis was 6'7", almost 341, and ran a 4'71". A guy that that big moving, that's some. So it was scary how athletic some of these guys are. It was scary to see my uh, my uh, my old position coach, my junior year of uh, college, Ty Tober. He's a uh, he's a new receivers coach uh, at Chicago. He said, being nowadays four four is slow. People don't. Know, you see all these four twos and four threes. And it was crazy, Kevin. And I was like, I was, I was impressed with everybody who went out there and got it done. You see how, you see how, um, you know, all the coverage, wall to wall coverage oh, yeah. from everybody there, Malik, Malik Willis and 
and uh, you know, uh, Matt Corral and Sam Howell, and, and the, the quarterbacks going to always be the headliners. The DBs going to always be the last guys there. But I was very, very impressed with everybody. I don't really, I don't want to put no stock in one guy over the other. I know we're going to get to it, but the HBCUs, they they represent a big way. I mean, the Alcorn States, the the the, the, the South Carolina States. I mean, so even they, the guys that got invited for the HBCUs, they 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 uh they putting up big numbers as well. But hey, man, shout out to everybody involved in the combine. Uh, it's finally over with. You don't have to worry about ever doing it again. And the, and the last yeah. time you ever going to do a 225 bench press for reps, <laughs> you just did it. That would be your last time doing it. Congrats. And, and you look at uh, who went there and maybe solidified themselves, Ben, or improved themselves, kind of maybe made themselves the, the, the biggest gain at the combine. Who's the guy you think maybe did that uh, during his time in Indianapolis? I mean, I know I keep bringing up saying, I mean, Jordan Davis, I mean, if he was, if he was a late first rounder, he's probably a, a mid-first rounder now. Uh Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, big de- uh, defensive, uh, de- uh, big time defensive end coming out of Oregon. Uh, Sauce Gardner. I mean, because a lot of times we talk about who's number one and number two in their position. I think Sauce Gardner may have prepared himself to be the number one cornerback. You can't coach size, you can't coach speed, and he has both 6'3", 200 pounds, four four one. So I mean, I don't know what Derek Steen is going to run, but he ain't he ain't he ain't six three. So if he runs a four three, he still ain't you know he still ain't six three with a seven nine inch wingspan. I do think uh, Malik Willis solidified himself as possibly the number one uh, quarterback taken when you look at how he was throwing the ball. Um, you know, I was really really impressed, Kevin, with a bunch of guys coming from smaller schools that was really putting up big numbers. So if I say who really boosted their stock, it would be it would be those guys who you know. Don't get a chance to play, you know, uh, on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU. Yeah. Those guys who you only saw them at the combine who putting up. And like I said, man, this is about this is about the name on the back of your jersey. This is about what you I mean, name on the back of your your Under Armour, uh, you know, shirt or whatever. But I was impressed with those uh, kind of like um, uh, small school guys who out there putting, putting up big numbers because some of these guys, we expect certain guys who, but like I said, defensive end for Virginia Tech, four, three, Seven. Where you come from? I mean, good <laughs> lord. So, I, but I, I see, I seen, I seen freaks uh, from day one to day four. I, I was impressed with every. I was impressed with every group. They had a punter that kicked the eighty yard punt. I mean, I mean, what what else do you want? So, hey man, that punter hopefully will get will get drafted yeah. kicking the eighty yards. But you know that shouldn't be the kid from San Diego State. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 so it's it's some crazy stuff. Freak. Freaky stuff going going throughout, but uh, I was impressed with everybody. Yeah, we've got a lot to get to here on the show, including uh, did the a couple of their guys that people expect to be uh, looking at at number one did not work out. Does that change things uh, for Jacksonville? Also tat with uh, Corey Yates, co-founder and CEO of Recruiting Analytics. Uh, coming out of that combine, he'll join us in just a little bit as well. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin. Good to have you back here on this Monday. Uh, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us here Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com as well and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We'll hear from Corey Yates coming up in just a little bit. Uh, I know uh, Christian also excited the USFL schedule is out, and he loves the USFL almost as much as I love Rob Manfred. So uh, that is uh, <laughs> that is a uh, where we're at today with Christian. But, you know, coming out now post-combine, then we have pro days, and then the, the draft will be uh, upon us coming up in April, which is next month. So uh, not much time now as we come down the stretch. Of course, a lot of folks talking about what Jacksonville will do at number one. I mean, do you think anything that happened during the combine is going to shake them off of a couple of the guys at the top of their list? No, I think uh, sometimes uh, when you look at the combine, it is a it is a glorified meet and greet. You want to be able to put names with faces, try to see what type of personalities 
some of these guys have. So try to see how some of these guys perform under pressure. But Evan Neal did not. Uh, he did not perform or participate uh, in this year's combine. He said, I'm going to wait to participate in Alabama. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau did uh, participate. I, I think if you are. Well, here's a question about that. I know we were talking about Jags, but if you're Evan Neal, why would you even do a pro day? Like, literally, everybody is telling you at the very worst, you could be what, top five? Why would you even work out? Well, I think at the pro day, I, I mean. But, but I, why even do that? I, well, I think at the pro day, I think you have to, in a sense, because, well, think about it, Kevin. I mean, you 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 can decide to not do it, but then they're going to say, well, dude, we, you didn't work out at, uh, at the combine. So he's going to have to do everything. So everything we just saw, he's going to have to run a 40, going to have to do the bench press, going to have to do the short shuttle. Gonna have to do the three cone, you know, and, all, and then he still has he still has to do a, um has to do a, like an individual workout, which takes like fifteen minutes. But for Evan Neal, all you have is your pro day. What? No, 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 let me say it this way: he has he has his tape. So you go back and watch the tape. I think Evan Neal and Aiden pretty good. Have, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, th- I think he's pretty good if that's what he's going off of. You talk about you talk about being at the premier school, taking nothing away from Georgia and Ohio State and Clemson and so on and so forth. Be at the premier college football program in the country. You won a national championship. You talk about all the different guys that have come through there that played off of the tackle uh, for uh, Nick Saban in Alabama. So you got that on your side. And he has leverage. He said, look, um, I don't feel comfortable going out there because this thing too, Kevin, you don't want to put anything on tape that's that, because whatever you do, they're going to compare you to it. So if I go out there and I don't have a good performance, now I'm more nervous, even more nervous going into my pro day because I'm saying to myself, do not got to run. It's one thing to say I need to run fast compared to I have to run fast because I didn't run fast before. And I and I don't know how guys do it. A guy go and run a 4-6, they go to his pro day and run a 4-4. Like, and obviously you talk about hand times compared to electronic times. But, yeah, I do think Evan Neal is the guy that's uh, – they understand because of Trevor Lawrence and their need and Cam Robinson is probably not going to be brought back. You got Jawan Taylor – who I think is going into year three. I think what you do is you have a deal, you put on a show. And, Kevin, sometimes it's good to sit back and see what other guys are doing. Okay. Okay. Like, uh, offensive lineman, to me, a good old, a good old lineman, you know, as far as like uh, like the bench press, at least at least 24-25. Right? Because that's, that's, that's pretty strong because he's going to have long arms. Big dude. Um, you want to go out there, you know, Sub five, you know, you don't, you don't got to do the Jordan. You don't got to run four. You, if you can run a four nine, four eight, that's crazy. That's impressive. But you're gonna be backing up and pushing people for for a living. If you're running, like I said, if you got to run forty yards. Either it's a big touchdown or somebody got a pick. And either way, you probably should be running that fast for that long. But I think it'll be fine. I think Alabama, the pedigree of Alabama, Nick Saban is talking on your behalf. You lost one game in two years. I think. I, well. Yeah, you lost one game or two years, or two games in two years. I think I think it'd be just fine for for a guy like Evan Neal, Kevin. I don't think I don't think he's in he's in uh I don't think he's gonna uh, be in danger of dropping uh <laughs> in the draft. And if he does, you know, he'll go from what, one to four or one to three, because yeah. he's too good of a talent. And I think he benefits one from a Trevor Lawrence, but two from a Joe Burrow going back two years ago. He missed the whole season because they didn't get him a left tackle. And obviously you see, even though he survived this year's Playoff run, I don't think that's going to be the case in uh, 2022 if they don't get him some help as well. Yeah, and again, I'm, I'm interested to see what uh, what Jacksonville does. I know a lot of talk that they're going to target some wide receivers in the free agent pool, which there's a lot of them out there, uh, Ben. But, I mean, how, how good could this team get if you get an Evan Neal, you spend free agency dollars on offensive pieces, maybe address some other uh, issues, offensive line or defensive line. Uh, I mean, you can go a number of places with this team, really, but 
uh, get a tight end or something in the draft. I mean, how good do you think Jacksonville could improve if they are smart here this offseason? Again, I'd, anything's possible. I have a hard time believing they can screw this thing up at number one right now. And even if it's not Evan Deal, I mean, there's a lot of really good players in this draft. Yeah, I don't think they're going to mess it up. Uh, they, they can make a quantum leap. And the reason why I say this is because of the division that they're in, Kevin, and what they did last year. Obviously, um, Tennessee ran away with the division, rightfully so, even with uh, Derek Heron being hurt most of the year. Carson, the Carson Wentz experiment is still just that. It's an experiment. The jury's still out on them, and they kept them from going to the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence proved that he's not he's not a front runner by getting by getting beat up a lot last year. Uh, fought uh, to get back into the game after being pulled in the first half because of an injury. Uh, Trevor Lawrence fought for his teammate James Robinson. They had to endure Urban Meyer. Uh, they had to endure Chris Doyle and the dumb stuff and the Tim Tebow stuff and just. How do they deal with losing? To have back-to-back number one overall picks prove that they didn't do they, – they, they're a very, very young team. But, yeah, Kevin, we what, four four picks in the top, what, 75 or something like that? Yeah. You're going to be able to add – you're going to be able to add in the draft in a tremendous way on top of the fact that you got, what, $60 million to spend in free agency. So they're going to be able to compete right away. Um, I do think uh, Evan Neal is probably going to be the guy only because if you get, if you get Aiden Hutchinson, right, does he make your defense better, or does he add another piece? I just don't see them getting uh, a defensive end at number one when you can add a defensive end in free agency who knows the game, who can help Josh Allen, Chase Son, and those guys come along. But, yeah, I don't see them messing it up. I mean, what, four picks in the top 75? What, the first pick in the draft, the first pick in the first round? I think you got, like, three picks in the first – three picks uh, in, the, in the second round. Yeah, they're going to be able to add to their team in a huge way. Yeah. So, again, it's interesting to see what Jacksonville decides to do uh, there in the draft. A lot of good stuff there at the, uh, at the top. Uh, we'll come back. we got uh, Corey Yates. He'll join us coming up in a, a few minutes. Uh, ben, is, uh, again, uh, he's a guy that's – I mean, we talk about it in sports all the time. The, the, the analytics, the, uh, the high-level, you know, I, I call them the nerd stats. Uh-huh. I mean, you're trying to get all that stuff down – uh, into one side, but he's done a lot of interesting stuff with that and, and obviously has put that to work with guys at the Combine around college football and others. Corey and guys like Corey, I mean, trust, trust and believe they are, they, are, they are all through these NFL staff. They're not going to let these guys talk to the media, not because they're not smart, but because you don't even know how to ask a follow-up question when they get to <laughs> telling you how. But, Kevin, I mean, football is a numbers game. It comes, it comes down to matchups. Matchups are determined by percentages. The highest percentage is going to give me the best possible outcome to go out there and win on that play. What play? I mean, I mean, play, I mean, how many catches does the player have? Okay, he has fifty. All right, how many were first downs? Okay, how well does he do? It's the intermediate routes. He a better enemy defensive end. I mean, how many? How many? How many defensive snaps did he have? Okay, he had seventy. How many? How many were the defense? How many were pass rushes? <coughs> Forty. How many did he win? Is he better on early pass downs? Third. Down? So all these things. But to us, Kevin, it seemed like a lot. But to them, they just shoot the numbers out at you. And players, listen, I just got on live. Your percentage is going to come up because, you know, it's like, it's, like the player, it's like the human QBR for all players, not just the quarterbacks, but when is he most effective? What down? Is he better in the first quarter compared to the third quarter? I was never good at math, people. That's why you never see me counting money. I'm going to do my best to get the right number, Kevin. But, yes, guys like Corey, those type of guys are being needed more in sports because it does always come down to math, but we don't know. I mean, don't don't get to asking me, you know, resistance versus force. <laughs> Can he play? You know, because like I said, Cooper Cup ran a four six two. Every every DB that covers him ran a four three, and Cooper Cup wins every time. So 
Who? What? What is what? We'll he's had no problems getting open. That's okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen. Offensive, offensive player of the year, and he doesn't play quarterback and uh, Super Bowl MVP. I'll go with the four six two that can get open every time. Absolutely. Hey, we've got so much more to get to here on the show. We'll come back. We will chat with Corey Yates, uh, recruiting analytics. When we come back, it's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Back here, three and out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're with us. Thanks for making us a part of your day as we are uh, efforting Corey Yates. He should be joining us here momentarily, CEO of Recruiting Analytics. And everybody talking about 40-yard dash times. And, of course, Christian's in the other room pulling up my 40-yard dash <laughs> and plastering it all over social media again. It was listen. I will. I will so say that was good. I was, in the first break, we're sitting there. We're sitting there breaking it down like forty yard dash times, and you know, man, a lot of position groups look good. And then all of a sudden, ESPN Coastal on Twitter. Hey, who could forget this one? I mean, I could. That was bad. I mean, it's <laughs> awful. The, the 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 whole the whole thing about it is, man, when he when he did it, like when he did it or whatever, he I was like, all right. He said he said I got to get Kevin. I said, what you about to do? Kevin's running. You, you, this, the tubes. The, listen, the, no, the, listen. If you haven't heard the story of this, let me just say what happened. I'm not trying to defend myself. I'm just trying to point out the people who make the most fun of me are also the people who were, you know, the softest. <clears throat> who some of whom may not be on the show today. That's oh, all, oh, all I'm oh, say. Oh, oh, that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, was we were we were doing the uh, the the, uh, the football combine, and all the, uh, the all the high school kids had run their forties and were going to the other end. To do a workout, and somebody says, "Hey, what do y'all want to run a 40? I was like, "Like just to, I guess get the time." And everybody's like, "Oh no, 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 no!" I'm like, "Man, y'all are being weird. I'll just do it." So no stretching, no nothing. I just walked over there in what I walked over there in my tennis shoes and said, "I guess I'll go." And the story I tell people is, I'm about halfway down, and the only thing that goes through my mind, Ben, is, "Oh my God, this is incredibly slow. Like this is bad." Boom, then I face-planted, and, well, the rest is history. Like, I knew it wasn't good. It was bad. Yeah, but, I, just I, mean, said, I mean, I'm just saying. I got, I just, no, I, no, I, no, 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 no. I appreciate Has that courage. ever happened to you? Of course. No, oh, I, I, not. Oh, come oh, on. Oh, oh, uh, two, running and falling? Man, <laughs> I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can put together a whole in an official, collage. In an official 40? Yes. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Well, maybe not an official 40, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it, it, it ain't going to help my time at all. I should have dove through the freaking line. I probably would have got a better time. <laughs> We have uh, Corey Yates, uh, co-founder, CEO of Recruiting Analytics, joining us here on 3 Now. Corey, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm going wonderful. Good afternoon. And we appreciate you coming on and, uh, and joining us. Uh, talk about how you've uh, your company and, and, and folks, I saw you were doing some, some things around the, uh, the combine, watching guys and the way they ran and how kind of the, the, the new way of uh, compiling some of these things to, to measure you know, physicality and, and, and some of the, the numbers you're trying to get things down to. And what we do is we analyze video to measure athleticism for coaches to evaluate players more accurately. So if you think about what just essentially the combine is we've taken it to the next level. Uh, we've and hey, Corey, when you think when you think about the fact that like now, I mean, it's all about forty times. It's all about height. It's all about weight. It's all about 
you know, uh, you know, uh, different things. How do you guys make sure? Like, I saw something you were comparing something to, like the Kayvon Thibodeau to Jamar Chase. Do you guys do that? Like, the analyst is one thing, but do you guys break it down to how one player compares to another player? We do. We were able to measure game speed. Speed is, is a critical factor. Ability at the next level for measuring acceleration, change of direction, also in game specific metrics. So if you're in the bat, we're measuring transition time. If you're a wide receiver, we're measuring how break. If you're an edge rusher, we're measuring again. Corey, we're having a little trouble uh, hearing you. We're going to try to get you back uh, on, see if we can't clear up that that line a little bit. Just having trouble hearing what he's saying. But obviously, uh, we were we, he was trying to explain kind of what they do there, and he was talking about the combine of look, man, you can get guys that are running. They're measuring miles per hour, not necessarily. Hey, this is how fast it was. For, no, dude was hitting twenty five miles an hour, whatever it was. That kind of puts it in a little better perspective, like. Uh, like, okay, he's running fast. He's running 25 miles an hour. So to put that in perspective, uh, you know, when I, when I, when I did go to the gym, I would ride the, uh, the, the exercise bike and I would try to ride, you know, at like a 15 mile an hour pace. So in the first 40 yards, he's going, you know, way faster than that. And I'm on a bike. <laughs> I mean, that, that gives you an idea of, uh, you know, what some of these guys are doing in the, in the short term there. Yeah. I mean, Kevin, the one thing you see in the 40 uh, yard dash, the first thing they do is they get your 10 yard split. That's all oh, his 10 yard split was like, you know, 1.2 or 1.5, 1.6. That's straight acceleration. Because you got to think with a 40, you ain't coming out no blocks. That's you putting your hand on the ground and you just coming out. It's, it's how fast can I get up to full speed? How fast can I get up, uh, you know, to like, to like uh, my full game speed? So I just think that when you think about, you know, what guys like Corey do, it's acceleration versus velocity versus like strength versus different things. So I, I just think that for me, it just, it just it just comes down to the fact that, hey man, you want to be able to know you know what makes a guy who he is. It's a, it's a lot of variables, and I think Corey and those guys break it down to a same. I believe we have uh, Corey back here with us uh, on the pro. Corey, sorry about that. Good to have you back on the show uh, uh, again. Just kind of talk of how, how you're using guys and the and the data that you can get from from these guys nowadays to to come up with kind of the complete model of what a guy looks like athletically. Absolutely. Um, I don't know where I broke up, but just to kind of. We explain what we're doing is we're basically analyzing in-game athleticism exclusively through video. So we don't require wearable devices, right? All we have a computer vision algorithm that's able to measure speed, change of direction, um, acceleration, and then also position-specific metrics. So if you're a defensive back, we can measure things like transition time for a wide receiver, how quickly you get in and out of your breaks for an edge rusher how quickly you get to the quarterback. And so we collect all of that data, and then we have a proprietary scoring system that measures in-game athleticism that we utilize to project players to the next level. Corey, how much better How much better are certain players? Because a lot of times, too, the more, the more a player plays, the more data you have on him. But those guys that play sparingly, but if, I, if I'm a defensive end that only come in on third down, so I don't get as many plays, but my, my, you know, uh, my performance level is at a higher level. Do you, do you find it being like, obviously we know about the big-name players or, or the, the guys who they kind of like are the face of the league, but do you find your analytics breaking down saying, this guy right here is really good. Might not make a Pro Bowl, might not be an all-pro, but might be one of the best players in the league that we don't know about. Absolutely. We, we, we do. We're able to 
even if you all we need is a minimum of 20 plays to get a good read on your athletic ability, your in-game athletic ability. And then from that, we're able to project pretty accurately. And so if you're a player that's a rotational player that has a tremendous amount of upside, we're going to be able to um, measure those traits, those athletic traits, and, and highlight and put a spotlight on those players that have a tremendous amount of upside. Now, Corey, you look at, uh, obviously, when you, when you get, dive deep into the, the analytics like this, uh, what was it like the first time you said, hey, man, uh, you went to somebody who's like, here's how we're measuring athletic performance and, and tried to explain that to somebody with all the, uh, the data people were trying to compile and say, look, I got a better way of doing this thing. You know, it, it's, it's a, that's a great question. So the first time was in August of 2019 at the Player Personnel Symposium. And I sat down with, at the time, uh, Drew Hughes, he's now with the Jaguars, but he was the director of player personnel at the time for University of Tennessee. And when, when I sat down and showed him how we're able to verify in-game speed and do some of the things I just talked about, it went from a two-minute conversation to a 20-minute conversation that later uh, ended up have, he, where he invited or he tried to get us on a plane to meet Coach Truitt the next day. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> We're not, we're not ready yet because at that particular it was a concept that we were validating before we decided to invest in the technology. Corey, how much faster that make you guys kind of speed up your process? You talk about something that you say, I want to introduce myself. You know, I'm Corey. I want to talk to you about what I'm doing. And him seeing the value in it, how much did that kind of help you guys like expedite the process of saying we're not ready yet till we are ready yet to where, number one, it's providing an opportunity for guys who really, really understand numbers. When we hear numbers in sports, we thinking it's the X's and the O's. But you're like, look, dude, we telling you what really makes a player who he is on every single play. So how much more efficient did that make you guys? Yeah, we were able to run pretty fast. So uh, we had that. We, we, we got the validation in August. We had interviewed well over or close to 200 coaches up until that point, asking them, hey, what is it that you're looking for? What are, what are the things you're, 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 you're trying to identify? And so we collected all of that, and essentially what we're doing is we're quantifying what coaches see on film. Everything we do is anchored in film, right? You heard the, the saying, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. Well, that's, that's why we anchored in computer vision technology, because we want to measure, again, what coaches are looking for on film to be able to quantify that so that they can do a better job of evaluating these players and projecting them to the next level. So the short answer is from August to January is, is how quickly we ran to get this, to get this uh, technology out into the marketplace. I mean, so, Corey, I mean, that being said, I mean, obviously you guys are ahead of the game. I mean, how much, how, how much more opportunity does, does, does that provide for other guys? On, when I think about hiring process or different guys that have uh, different uh, roles on teams – does this provide another role on a guy on the team? Because obviously you got to have a certain expertise to do this. Are you guys potentially creating uh, different positions on uh, NFL uh, franchises? Most organizations have data scientists on their staff today. And so we're not necessarily creating a new position, if you will. Um, but what we are doing is we're, we're bringing to these, to these organizations new athletic data that they've never had before. And, and, again, what that's going to allow them to do, there was a question earlier about, well, can you compare players? Absolutely, right? So the beauty about our technology is we can go back in time. We can go back 10, 11, 12 years 
ago, and we could measure how well some of those players in the past, um, how well they moved and what their, what their metrics look like. And those, we use those to, to establish performance thresholds. So if you're a player that moves similarly to, I'm making this up, a Derwin James, right, we're going to know that. We're going to know, yeah, this, this guy is able, his closing speed is very similar to Derwin James. So you talk about comps, we're able to have quantifiable comps of players that are coming out either in the draft or either coming out uh, from high school going into college. And, Corey, I mean, uh, finally, when you, when you think about – I don't like to call it a new wave. I, I stay away from the new wave or this is the newest thing. But now, like you just said, it's one thing to have a comp because, you know, they look the side, they look the same or they got the same uh, height or they, they ran the same 40 or what may have you. You say, no, I'm going to show you a play. I'm going to give you the situation. I'm going to give you the down and distance, and I'm going to show you the closing speed. How much better does that make it so that when you're giving comps, you're saying, no, man, this is a real comp based on real data, based on game time, compared to just the eye. This kind of takes away just the, quote, old school eye test way of doing things. You got it, right? And so we're, we're able to, to do exactly that. We're able to provide comps that are, that are based on the film because, again, Everything we do is anchored in the film. And so when you think about this, the tools that were used in the past to evaluate players, there were three things, right? They were a tape measure, a scale, and a stopwatch, right? Dating all the way back to the early 1900s. Well, guess what? Nothing has really changed as it relates to those three things being the way athleticism is measured, especially the stopwatch, Right. There hasn't been any innovation in the stopwatch over the years. The stopwatch is the stopwatch is the stopwatch, right? And, and so we're measuring speed as evaluators in the 40-yard dash, right? And then we're trying to project as to whether or not that's going to show up on the field, right? And so the combine that just took place, we've got all these times, and then we, we kind of go back and, and we go, well, let's make sure that this 4-2 or 4-3 shows up on the film we're taking all that guesswork out because we're able to measure speed in terms of their play speed in terms of miles per hour. And so, uh, yeah, we're, we're taking it to the next level, uh, and we're excited about it. Again, a lot to, uh, to, to, to do with, the, with analytics. Obviously, this is an ever-evolving thing, and uh, you guys are, are certainly taking it to the next level, diving into more and more information for these guys moving forward. Corey Yates, co-founder and CEO of Recruiting Analytics, our guest here on 3 Now. Corey, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Take Pre- care. Appreciate it. Corey Yates joining us here on 3 and Out. We'll come back. Ben, some very much breaking news regarding the Atlanta Falcons. We'll get to that next here on 3 and Out. Here, 3 and Out breaking news for the Atlanta Falcons, and none of it good. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons have gotten word from the NFL, and apparently the Falcons knew this all the way back in early February, that Calvin Ridley has now been suspended for the entirety of the 2022 season and suspended indefinitely, so it may be longer than that because apparently he was betting on games during his absence from the Atlanta Falcons. Christian, this broke while Ben and I were mm-hmm. were, were chatting last segment, so what can you tell us uh, uh, about this? We kind of saw the headlines of Calvin Ridley suspended. What, what does all this mean here on a Monday afternoon? Well, he kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's just he was, he was gambling. He was betting on NFL games, which uh, – 
Roger Goodell came out and said is like one of the fundamental cores, like tenants, you cannot do that because it goes to the heart of a competitive balance. If you're a player and you're holding yourself out of a game like Calvin Ridley did this year and then betting on said games, which we don't know which games he was gambling on yet, but still it just goes to the competitive nature of the game and of the sport. So he's suspended, like you said, indefinitely, but at least through this next season. So what does that mean for the Atlanta Falcons? Number one, you're going to be without your number one wide receiver again. Uh, but beyond that, basically his contract gets paused. So for as long as he's suspended, he's not a part of the Atlanta Falcons. Therefore, you don't have to pay him. So his little bit more than $11 million now comes off the books for the Atlanta Falcons. So in reality, you kind of are where you were hoping to be because you <laughs> wanted to get you wanted to move on from Calvin Ridley was all the reports. And so you wanted to trade Calvin Ridley and then that would have freed up that cap space there. So right now you just don't have a pickback. You can deal with him whenever that comes back around and maybe trade him then. But right now, most importantly for the Falcons, I guess, is you have $11 million in salary cap freed up. I mean, it's a lot to stomach. I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going. It might be if, giving Ben a call. <laughs> nah, for a pass catcher. Nah, but, I will, yeah. nah. I I will say this. Um, Cam Cam said something going to the break that I'm, that I'm gonna do. That I'm gonna stop doing too. Look, man. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a neurologist. I hope the best for everybody when it comes to mental health. But every time something happens, we go to that. The reason why I'm not gonna go to this, I don't want to. Even if, even if that is the case, I don't want to ever use that because there are people that's really dealing with it. And we using it as like a scapegoat. Calvin really, look, he made a mistake. I don't, I don't never met him, don't know him. But Christian, as a person, they said it was a it's quote with a we made parlay bets. For those people, myself, yeah, who don't know what the hell a parlay bet is, <laughs> just, what exactly what exactly did he do with his it, cell phone? It just it just means you're stacking bets. So like say the Falcons were playing the Bills, and I'm not saying he bet on Falcons games, but the Falcons were playing the Bills and the Saints were playing the Buccaneers and the Eagles were playing the Washington football team, and he had to bet for the Falcons to win that one, the Buccaneers to win, and the Eagles to win, then if he got all three of those right, then the money pays out way higher than it would just picking games straight up. So that's and, the parlay. And the more bet. you stack, think, the higher the yeah, payout I think, gets. Yeah. I think parlay is pretty insignificant, yeah. if, I, if I'm being honest here. He was betting on NFL games, which you were not allowed to do if you're an NFL player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, I, I think, is where it's significant. And as far as the mental health thing goes, this – for the fans out there, they're like, dude's not playing in games and he's out here betting on games. It was, from what the NFL said, within a five-day period. Yeah, so yeah, more yeah. so to me, it sounds like he had stepped away from the game of football for mental health reasons and then made an idiotic mistake. Uh, no, no, I'm not. No, no, I am not. Let me let me, let me, me clarify. I am not saying that he's not dealing with mental health. I'm not yeah. saying. But I don't want to be giving my mental health diagnosis. No, 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 no. I'm, 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 a, I'm a part of the three-man weave on three and yeah. out. I'm not going <laughs> no, to be you, you know, request to step away from work. And then when you do step away from work, you violate one of the biggest rules from your well, work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, or, or, that's, I, yeah. I, or it's like this. If, if, if I can't be on the show, right. And I think I'm somewhere that no one can see me and there goes Christian and Christian just like, uh, and you just walk up to me and say, man, you good. Yeah. Cause quote, that's not what you said. You see what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't. Once again, once again, when it comes to Calvin Ridley, I, I got to say this. When I was in the National Football League, there was a guy by the name of Marcus Robinson. He was a player personnel guy. He played with the Titans when they went to the Super Bowl. He said, Ben, if you're going to make a mistake, make sure you're doing something that hasn't been done before. That way we can all learn from it. I guarantee you, every player should be learning from this. I'm not saying that Calvin Ridley is the only guy that parlays some bets. I'm saying he got caught. So, so fellas, be careful out there. Maybe him and uh, Pete Rose can start yeah, a, pod- yeah, well, he, they yeah, can start well, a yeah, podcast. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty yeah. So I so I so 
Yeah, man, but if you are the Falcons, like you said, at least you know what's going on right now, and I, you get that money comes out. Well, apparently they they knew what was going on uh, all the way back in early February, and according to multiple guys, several teams reached out to the Falcons about trading for Calvin Ridley, and the Falcons just kind of shut it down, obviously knowing what was about to come from the 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 NFL in this situation. So we've got more that's still uh, developing out in the public eye. We'll get to more of this as we go throughout the show. Take three coming up right around the corner. We'll get more on Calvin Ridley uh, coming up next hour as well. And in the final hour, we will chat with Mike Renner of uh, Pro Football Focus. We'll get his thoughts on this as well. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We're streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com. Good to have you back here. Three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Man, a... Bombshell of news being dropped there on a Monday. This has nothing to do with Major League Baseball. It's the NFL Julio Jones, not Julio Jones, excuse me, Calvin Ridley, uh, Atlanta Falcons wide receiver, suspended for the entirety of the 2022 season. It could be longer, uh, but we'll get into all of that. D. Orlando Ledbetter now, a late ad, thanks to, uh, to Daryl. He's going to join us coming up at the top of the final hour. Give us the very latest, something apparently the Falcons knew about as early as February 9th from the league that this was possibly uh, going to happen. But uh, Julio, or excuse me, Calvin Ridley suspended for gambling on NFL football games. We'll get to uh, much more of that coming up here in just a little bit. But it is 4 o'clock. Let us take three here on 3 and Out. All right, man, take one. It is the end of an era. Coach K. Uh, regular season done. They enter to the ACC basketball tournament. They will be in the NCAA tournament regardless of how they fare there. But his final home game at Duke, he gets beat by North Carolina. My take three question is this. Are you happy about that? Or are you sad about that? Because if you, you either love Coach K mm-hmm. or you don't. So is it poetic justice? You lose your last home game and you got Duke fans crying, revealing their Georgia face paint underneath? Mm-hmm. Or... Is it a sad thing because it's not the storybook regular season ending for Mike Krzyzewski? It's part of the justice. And it's, it, it really is, Kevin. Because, Kevin, it's the thing, right? Okay. Think about if you're North Carolina. Think about that no matter what you do in North Carolina basketball, they saying Duke this, Duke that. No matter what. And, and North Carolina is just as storied as Duke. They got some great players. That, that is the greatest rivalry in college basketball. But it's set up perfectly for you. Think about going into this season. Coach K announced before the season, hey, man, this is going to be my last year. But what you doing? Hey, man, you look at the schedule. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. Last game in UNC. You knew it was going to be star-studded. It was what? Almost 80, 90 former Duke players on the sideline. You already knew it was they were going to be interviewing these guys, and you thought he was going to get carried out on the shoulders. UNC goes, no. We don't like – not only do you not like Coach Kane, you don't like Duke. You don't like the fact that y'all both off tobacco road. You don't like the fact that y'all always getting compared to each other. And, Kevin, they're going to use that as the greatest recruiting tool ever now. Hey, man, what was Coach K's last game? What did Kobe do his last game? Made recipe 60. Right? Right? What did Coach K do his last game? Got beat by UNC. And, Kevin, <laughs> and to me, that's what make a rivalry a rivalry. Yeah, right? like, fans are petty. They're not going to let them oh, live oh, that oh, 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 those Duke fans. Listen, they interviewing Duke fans, walking Duke fans, say, you know, it's just it's really disrespectful because it shows that their lack of class. Does it? Does it show their lack of class? You're in my house. We don't like y'all, the Duke crazies or whatever they call y'all. <laughs> no. UNC, thank you, thank you, thank you, because, Kevin, it's something that we don't talk about enough. When it comes to the team, when it comes, you want two things to happen when it comes to uh, your, your favorite team. 
You want you want your team to win second. You want the team you despise to lose first. You want them to lose more than you want your team to win. How do I know? Ask UNC. I don't even know how no UNC is doing this year, but I know they told Coach K. They listen. They should. Coach K came before the game. They're supposed to give a tribute like this, dude. You about to take this fresh L, and this is how <laughs> you're gonna be remembered. So yes, I give a, I give a lot of credit to UNC. The pettiness, uh, the fact they said, dude, you ain't finna get no swan song over here. If you wanted to win your last game, you should have been playing at home, not in our house. Shout out to them Tar Heels getting it done. Oh, yeah. Right. I love the, the, that's what makes the rivalry great, the uh, the utter pettiness of it all. And in is on Coach K Court, his final home game yeah, that on Coach K Court. Yeah, that, yeah, and you get, you give it an L. I have to say, it's kind of funny. I, 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 crying, crying, crying. Yeah. I, I, you know. Love it. I've watched a lot of ACC basketball my day. There's no love loss for Duke basketball inside no, that conference. No, uh, I think. He, no, but I will say he will he will be missed. Oh, man. He, he, he will be. He I, will again, be missed. You can appreciate that the guy is very good at what he does and still not be a fan, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can still be like, look, that's what it should be. Everybody, be like, you don't like Duke basketball? No. Hey, people understand. Bear Bryant was a hell of a football coach, but that means they want Alabama winning. We know Nick Saban can coach. I don't want him to win another national exactly. championship, right? I'm like, like, like that's you, just how it is. Do you want old Saint Nick to get? I no, no. Saint Nick is, you know, Saint Nick ain't got that. No, his reindeers weigh 350 pounds, <laughs> and they about to be the number one overall pick. No, yeah. I don't want him to win anything else. Exactly. He's. I mean, it's. Uh, it's. <laughs> I love it. That's a, that's a beautiful part of college basketball. All right, take two in Major League Baseball. They are deciding on all kinds of important stuff, like pitch clocks banning the shifts and oversized bases. Yet we're a week away from the first cancellation of games. Do you believe more cancellations are coming and how many? How, how many games do you think we're headed for at this point where both teams or both sides of this negotiation have said we are deadlocked? I definitely see a month, Kevin, because it's like you said, um, even if they do get something done, how long does it take to actually get out there? Because you're not, you're not, you don't have spring. So what? How how long does it take to really get back out there? So if they say, okay, deal done today, does, does you, do you give them a week? Do you give them two weeks to kind of? Because you can't just run out there. Welcome, you know, you know, you know. I mean, welcome to Truist Park. You know, which is yeah. what you want to hear. But I will say, you know, I don't like I don't like the fact that now now they just really being disrespectful. I don't want to hear about bigger bases. I don't, I don't want to hear about you know uh, you know clocks and all this. I Man, get a deal done. Because what happens is. So y'all went from talking about things that matter. So now we just let's talk about things that don't matter, right? A base? Yeah. I they, mean, I'm like, like, I'm sorry, man. We need bigger bases now. <laughs> no, I the mean, dirt ain't orange enough. I just need to, no. I I do think Kevin's probably gonna be a month. I do think cooler heads will prevent because once once you got to hear this cycle saying today was supposed to be the first game of the season, today was supposed to be the second game, the third game, and fourth, and those owners start seeing these uh, financial reports coming back saying, dude, this. This ain't good. Why? Because you can't blame COVID, right? My God, Rob you're Manfred, doing it I to mean, yourself. Exactly. So I, I do think at least a month. Not necessarily. I do think they have a deal done before them before a month of games are up. But I think it's going to take at least a couple of weeks or at least a week to get those guys back running out there. Because I don't even know how. Because what type of protocol is yep. that going to be when you do get one sign when you send out yep. the pitches and the catches and and so on and so forth? As I told somebody uh, before, when uh, uh, way back when. Uh, the the pandemic started, everything shut down. I was like, you think it was hard to shut it down? Wait till you have to start all this stuff back up again. And I think it's the same way when you're running a uh, a sports league. You think it was hard to lock the players out? Well, look at how long it's going to take to get the league back up and running. You still have to do free agency. You still have to have a spring of some kind. You still have to make up the schedule, whatever it's going to be, right? Do you just say, well, this is what the schedule was supposed to be. Everything before the state's just chopped off and that's it. 
Do you take some games off and say you're going to try to fit more games in uh, unbalanced schedule? So if you're in the National League East, you play more games against the East uh, and take away some games, say, against the NL West? Be very interesting to see uh, all those things they have to do. But yeah, again, Ben, that's how, again, you know stuff is not serious because what have they been arguing over the whole time? The CBT pre-arbitration bonus pool, getting money into the players' pockets, the owners not wanting to put as much money into the players' pockets, and the thing that came out of the negotiations over the weekend was we have agreed to a pitch clock. I'm sorry. That wasn't no, – nobody cares. Yeah. Not like, not like no, no. Oh, we, we're going to ban the shift. Uh, great. You're still no closer on the crap you've been arguing about for three exactly. months. Exactly. Uh, and longer. Talk about the money, yeah. please. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all over at the uh, the – uh, again, this is so maddening. I think we're going to see, as you said, a month one because I think the owners know they can go that long and not really affect them uh, anyway because they look at April as a debt uh, month while you're ramping up the season. So uh, I think they have that already kind of preset in their mind that, hey, give it a couple more weeks and we can probably still make this thing uh, be acceptable uh, at some point. We've got... Uh, too much other stuff to argue about, and I think we're going to have other things to talk about uh, while baseball's over here bickering off to the side. All right, moving along, take three. Uh, and we'll talk more about this dear Orlando Ledbetter, Calvin Ridley. Uh, news breaking, suspended for the entire 2022 season. Ben, how do you think this affects the Falcons in the short term versus how do you think this affects the Falcons in the long term? It affects them in the short term because, I mean, obviously you think about what it's going to do. Uh, you know, it's like any distraction on a football team that's trying to go out there and find its identity is never, ever good. If you are, if you were on that team, obviously having to deal with the fact that as a teammate of yours, in some cases a brother of yours, and you was thinking that, hey, he probably was dealing with mental health now, you know, you realize now that, I mean, he's going to be suspended. He made a mistake. So in the short term, you're dealing, you're dealing with you're dealing with the off-field distractions that have nothing to do with you, but because he wear that red and black with an ATL on his chest and that really on his back, you're gonna have to, you know, answer for his distractions. In the long term, you got to figure out how do we replace him? Because for those who think that he wasn't missed last year, he was missed tremendously. The guy that led our team in rushing yards and touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, plays receiver. The number one receiver on the team last year was a rookie. The problem is. Kyle Pitts scored two touchdowns. One of them was in America. The other one was in London. You're going to need a number one receiver. If you're in the NFC South with no Tom Brady, no Drew Brees, I mean, no one really cares about uh, what's going on right now in uh, Carolina, you're in your window with no number one receiver. Now, that money comes off the books, so you can use that money. But who do you go get? You got to find you a number one receiver right now because I do think, Kevin, at least it's like this. If I know where he's going to be, because let's face it, Calvin really was going to be a question mark. Were they going to even bring it back if he didn't get suspended because you don't know if he's going to want to walk away again? He's proven, like, look, man, I support you in what you're doing, but we got a business to run. And it doesn't stop because you're not here. I do think in the short term, Kevin, you got to deal with the distractions that come with being a teammate of a guy like Calvin really answering those questions. And for the long term, Terry Fontenot, hey, man, uh, you're going to have to go out there and find number one. And I'm not talking about a number one because uh, he has more catch than anybody on the team, a legit number one. That when he walks in the building, people patting each other and say, hey, yo, that's awesome, man, we got him. Because if you don't think other players don't know who other players are on other teams, you you kidding yourself. It's going to be easier said than yeah. done. I don't think you can afford Devontae Adams. I think Chris Godwin is going to get uh, probably franchised again uh, by uh, Tampa Bay. But, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, Keenan Allen of the world. You, you, got, other, you got other guys you can go out there and get, so yes. Deal with the distraction of going through the 72-hour. It's going to be a 48-72-hour 
uh, cycle, Kevin, of talking yep. about Calvary, which sure. we already, we already, you know, in our window with it. But in the long term, Terry Fontenot, though, you was brought in to reshape a franchise or do what you did in, in Atlanta. Right now for Atlanta for what you did for New Orleans for 18 years. So, Terry Fondo, go out and earn your money. Yeah. Again, I think short-term, the saving the money on the cap is a good thing for the Atlanta Falcons. I think long-term is, I mean, we don't even know if he's going to be eligible for the 2023 season. And if, if he so, comes I mean, back to 2023, you got to pay him that 11.5 right. or whatever you owe. And, and on top of that, Ben, I mean, at the end of 2022, I mean, he basically has no trade value, right? I mean, I mean, because yeah. at that point, and, and, I, and I know Cam's big Calvin Ridley guy say, look, but think about this. No, I'm not saying this to be me, Cam, but I was like, he will have not played football for nearly two years at that point. And so, how many guys have taken two years off from the game and come back and just as good? Very few. Very few. I mean, Ben, you and I were talking about Michael Vick may have been one of the guys that do it most. And he was in, he was in prison, came back and made it. Back to the league, still wasn't as good as he yeah, was Josh, when he Josh, left. Josh so, Gordon did it, but he wasn't as effective as he was when he first left. And, and let's face it, that, not, that's not just in sports. That's anything. If you've been a super-duper effective at something your whole life and then you take two years off, you can still do it, but can you do it at the level in which you was doing it? I mean, because... Practice reps aren't the same as going up against all pro DBs. I mean, exactly. it's just not. And, and, he was, and he was the next up, man. Calvin Ridley... I mean, people felt good about this this uh, this Falcons uh, offense because Calvin really learned on the Julio, just like Julio, you know. Uh, I mean, learned on the Roddy White and so on and so forth. Now it's you got to bring in a new guy in the system. I love Cordell Patterson, I love him, but he was better as as a freaking running back than he was a receiver, and that ain't good, Mike Davis. So I, I, <laughs> yeah, so I, I I just think that it puts Atlanta in a hole because even though you get the money and you don't have to, you know you get his money uh, and that money doesn't go towards the cap or what doesn't hurt you, who do you go out there and get? It's going to be unbelievable. Let's take three. We do it each and every day at this time. We'll come back. We'll have the very latest with Calvin Ridley and the Atlanta Falcons. And Calvin Ridley probably should just stop tweeting uh, at, at this point. We'll get to that next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Uh, we will chat with D. Orlando Ledbetter coming up in the final hour. Get the very latest on Calvin Ridley, who Ben probably just needs to quit tweeting uh, at, at this point. It comes out, Calvin Ridley, he is suspended for the 2022 season at least. I mean, I, I want to keep emphasizing that at least the 2022 season uh, is the way the uh, the NFL put it in. It's an indefinite suspension, so at least the full 2022 season could be longer for gambling on football games. It happened during a period in which he was away from the team, uh, was not around the football facilities. The NFL even said, look, there's no findings that games were compromised, which is obviously people say, what's the big deal about gambling? Well, you work in the league, right? And people say, well, he didn't bet on the Falcons games. No, but Ben... I mean, players know each other. I think the whole crux behind it is like, what's to say Calvin really doesn't know somebody on Jacksonville and go, hey, bro, like, you're my boy and all. Like, I got some money on y'all to, to not cover. I know y'all only got one win. Like, if y'all could just, there's anything you do to not cover, that'd be awesome. You know, it's like, that's the, I'm not, and he didn't do that. I'm saying, but that's the kind of stuff you worry about and say, well, why can't you bet on games that are not yours? Because you know people in the league who could influence the outcome of the game. Uh, that, uh, that that can help you out in that situation. So 
That's where we're at with Calvin Ridley. And again, Ben, I said, look, probably needs to just stop tweeting. Right after the news came out, Calvin Ridley makes a tweet, says, I bet 1500 total. I don't have a gambling problem. Well, nobody said you did have a gambling problem. Exactly. They said you gambled. Yeah. And you weren't supposed to do that. Then he comes back uh, about five minutes later and said, I couldn't even watch football at that point. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't watch football, but you could bet on it at yes. that point. That doesn't add up. And then uh, about uh, five minutes after that, came back and said, just going to be more healthy for when I come back. That may not matter. Uh, two years out of the game for anybody. Cam and I were just talking during the break. Uh, Michael Jordan did it in basketball. That's, that dude's the GOAT. As a GOAT for a reason. Like You just don't do that kind of stuff. People don't miss two years in the NFL and come back and still compete to beat an all-pro level. It just doesn't happen. So, Ben, first and foremost, just talk to Calvin Ridley specifically, gambling on football, how prevalent, I mean, again, it's a big note. How widely known is it in the league mm-hmm. that you don't do that? Yeah. So you mm-hmm. can't, you, I think the amount is insignificant. It's yeah. known, you don't do that, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, you don't, you don't do it. Look, let, 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 me, let me just start by saying this, okay? Calvin, really, you can't win in this situation. It doesn't matter what you say, you can't win. Because this, this, you talking about adding insult injury. Steve White, 19 minutes ago, he said, I will, Mike. Garofalo just reported that one of the best placed by Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley involved the Falcons. Oh, great. I, it's, it's, it's like, it's that almost was like, like, so that's breaking news. But what I'm saying is, right, this is, okay, Kevin, I'm on the show, me, you, and BJ, right? If I was doing something that is not conducive, not just to this network, to me, you're saying, look, man, I'm just telling you you shouldn't do this. Why? Because one, it's affecting my livelihood. Like, if you're involved in an organization, you ain't, I ain't never even heard Calvin really even talk that much. Like, I ain't even heard him really being like a very, like, vorsterous type personality. But this is the thing, right? Just imagine, the Falcons know about this. The Falcons saying, look, man, we, we ain't going to, we going to let y'all report it, man. Why? Because it makes us look crazy. <laughs> it makes us look crazy because we're supporting him. Like, so we can support him and him walking away from football but his mental health. But then when this happens, now look, now he won't shut up. Calvin, don't you know when they do investigations, they know everything. So what happens is they'll put out a, boom, suspend it. 2022 season. Then they start breaking down what you was betting on. You come out and say, "Man, I only did 1500." It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like the 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 number the number used doesn't matter. I think what I think what hurts in these type of situations is you're not using your 270 characters to help bolster your reputation. No. I'm gonna man. I'm gonna be good when I come back. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Who the hell gonna want you back on their squad when number one they can't trust you away from the facility? And like you just said, Kevin, you're betting on games you don't even look at. <laughs> you don't even. I, I couldn't even watch football. Wait, what? I mean, I don't. I, mean, I, I don't even believe that part. I think that's it. But but anyway, the, the Adam Schefter uh, to kind of follow up on what Ben said. NFL determined that Calvin Ridley placed multi-leg parlay bets involving three, five, and eight games that included the Falcons to win. So he bet on the Falcons to win. Uh, per source, investigation determined that there was no involvement from any team players, coach, et cetera, placed via his mobile device out of state. So, uh, again, I always like the people. It's like, whoa, well, at whoa, least whoa, he bet whoa, on his whoa, team whoa, to whoa. win. So. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, hold on. I mean, <laughs> Kim, Kim, I, I, Kimberly, Kimberly A. Martin, worked for, um, I think she works for uh, NFL Network. League source confirmed Calvin Ridley was betting on multiple sports, including Falcons games. Calvin Ridley was placing bets 
on the Falcons to win. What the? You, you, <laughs> have, just, you place the best on the Falcons to win? Yeah. Against who? <laughs> that, that, that just, hold on. Let, let me tell you something. Let me, let me tell you something. Oh, and, man. And, and, this, and this is the picture. This is the picture that she put up. <laughs> all, of, all I'm saying is, listen, let me, let me tell y'all something. Let me, let, me, let me just say this, okay? Being a professional athlete means you are the creme de la creme. That means you're the one that made it, whether it's NHL, baseball, football, basketball, you are one of them ones, right? Calvin Ridley was really one of them ones. Being a being a being a first round draft pick, a national championship winner coming out of Alabama, and you was gonna be the next number one. You were the number one receiver for the Falcons. When you walked away, people showed as much sympathy and empathy and support for you than I've ever seen on a team that needed every catch and every ounce of production. And this comes out. Now you're trying to defend yourself. Let me tell you something. In the, in, the, in the court of public opinion, you are going to lose. Because bottom line, you did bet. When you say, I ain't got a gambling problem. You Did you bet? Yes. I don't have to have a drinking problem, right? And I'm not condoning drinking. But if I've been drinking and I'm behind my will, and just because I don't feel drunk, the breathalyzer test says something different. So all I'm saying to Calvin really is, is a slap in the face to off the blank. Because he trusted you, man. When, when he supported you to go home, which... Cam, uh, Kevin, I ain't never seen this before. And now, do off the blank want to do it? Yes and no. Yes, because in the public, I, I have to. But no, because, dude, that's one of my best players. Like, and then to come to find out for $1,500. Man, Calvin, look, man, back away from your phone, please. Please stop pressing sin because you're only making the situation worse. You bet on the Falcons to win. Um, no, but, but oh, I mean, look, and that's not even the point. I mean, like, okay, fine. You bet the Falcons to win. You're still not supposed to uh, nope. to, to, to be doing that kind nope. of stuff. And again, I, I, I think it puts the Falcons, as you said, been in a tough spot because they were planning to move on. Uh, Cam and I were talking about this during the break. The Falcons were planning to move on, and we we've asked and asked and asked. Hey, we realize you have to support the players' mental health, but. You also can't just indefinitely say, we'll just leave a hole in our roster until he comes back at a time unknown by anybody on this, on this planet. So whoa, the Falcons whoa, whoa, whoa. were sitting there. Hold on. The Falcons okay. were sitting there looking to possibly trade him. They found out about this deal from the NFL back in early February. They sh- kind of shut teams down from inquiring about trades. And so now you don't have to pay him in 2022 because he's suspended. So you get $11 million back in cap money. But after that, if he can come back, how do you trade him? As Cam said, you could you can't get a first round pick for him not playing for two years. You may not be able to get a fourth round pick for him not playing. I mean, where, where's the value there? So I, I think this is an interesting dynamic for the Falcons. Where short term, it actually gets them some cap relief, but long term, if he comes back, you're kind of stuck with him because you. I mean, like, what what can you do? Well, <clears throat> once again, it just it just keeps coming, right? It just keeps coming. <laughs> Albert Barrett reports. So how did Calvin really get busted, you ask? He was in Florida, and he used the only gambling app legal in the state. The app notified a compliance company the NFL is hired called Genius. For, it's called Genius. The company is called Genius <laughs> for this kind of thing. That, <laughs> that he was out of state and was a factor in Ridley's activity being flagged. So think about this for a second. He used the only, it's, it, the only app in Florida that you can use. So they're trying to make sure it's him. They say, well, how do you know it's him? Well, he used his name. Well, how do you know it's his name? Well, we, we placed we, a bet we, under listen, listen, we got his phone Ridley. number. Because phone numbers are, I said, listen, when we typed in the phone number, it came back to him. Well, where is he from? He's from Florida. 
I'm, it's like they try to do everything they can to give him benefit of the doubt. You went too far to the one app. Think about this. They call the company genius to catch you. <laughs> All I'm saying is, Calvin, look, man, still wish the best for you, man. People make mistakes. But I just think sometimes, right, you know, when you get caught, just fess up to it. This trying to save face, no, you're not going to help. Now the Falcons, Arthur Blank, Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot, Kyle Pitts, so on and so, you know, so on and so forth. They got to be asking questions about something they have nothing to do with. But you know what it's going to do? If you thought that the scrutiny on the guys trying to gamble was worse before Cal- – <laughs> I guarantee it's going to be some type of team meeting saying, fellas, well, I mean, I mean, do not and, do and again, this. That's where, I mean, if Calvin Ridley got busted doing it, how many other guys have been doing it? I mean, I listen, mean, that's, I mean well, here, well, here's the thing, Kevin, once again. I'm that, not that, saying it's everybody, well, no, but it's probably more thing, than one. Here's I mean, the thing, right? So. Here's the thing, you know. Um, if you and I, no, if me and a, and a friend of mine are doing something, right, that, that we know we shouldn't be doing, and I get caught, right, th- I got caught. He did. If somebody else, have I seen gambling in the NFL? Absolutely. Have I seen it done through apps? No. Hey, man. Hey, Kevin, man, listen, I got, listen, bet 100 that so-and-so, so-and-so team going to be so-and-so team. All right, I got you. We all come from colleges, Florida, Florida State. Hey, man, I see a friend that played at Florida State, hey, man, bet 100 on the game, right? Yeah, because you know why? Yeah, we have nothing to do with the game. But if I play for the Titans and I'm hurt, and I go to www.iwantabet.com <laughs> and I put in my information and my credit card and I put 1500 for the Titans to beat the Jags and I press bet. What the hell? What? Like, like think about true. that. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, you see how this? No, Kevin, think about this. If I'm giving, man, I want you, and being with you, hold on for a second, man, I'm about to bet on this game real quick. You about to bet on what game? Titans and the Jags. On our game, yeah. Yeah, on our game tomorrow. Well, you, we got Fish Young. We, we're going to be good. <laughs> it's, you know, it's crazy. Listen, because the, the more you dive into it, you realize, man, listen, man, I don't know what Kevin really is dealing with, man. I hope he get whatever the help he needs. I'm not going to be throwing out mental health, even if that's what he's doing, because I'm not a neurologist or a doctor. But Calvin, man, as Kevin Thomas, listen, go to www.kevinthomas.com where he's telling you, get the hell away from Twitter. <laughs> Stop. Tweeting because yeah. you don't want to make it a situation. No, it's true. I mean, I, I'm 100%. Uh, like, nothing has ever helped in the immediate. It's like, oh, it's only 1,500. That doesn't check, matter. Hold on, check, hold on, check, it check, doesn't check. matter. But that actually makes it worse because uh, you bet 1,500, it cost yourself 11 million. million. No, no, no. That's, Kevin, the, wor- that's the worst bad deal. When people of all start time. saying, what does social media really do when you're, when you're a celebrity? If something happens, go to every news, go to every, every news outlet that has sports. They are talking about Calvin Ridley. He is all of Calvin really has never been on Twitter like this. He wasn't on social media like this when he walked away from the Falcons. <laughs> That's true. And, and now it's and so now, hey man, Calvin, I wish you the best. Listen, you're gonna have to deal with this for the next 48 to 72 hours. And then once uh once uh once the draft come back, Kevin, and the Falcons come up, guess who they ain't gonna come back up again? Calvin Ridley, because wide receivers definitely on the docket these days. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. We'll continue this. We'll talk more about this uh when we come back, because again. What kind of position does this put Atlanta in uh, moving forward? We'll get to that next. It's three and out of the Southern Pigskin Radio Network or streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com. Uh. 
I'm Justin Hardy with the Atlanta Falcons, and you're listening to Three and Out with BJ, Ben, and Kevin. Good to have you back here on this Monday. Of course, breaking news, Calvin Ridley suspended for the entirety of the 2022 season for betting on football and apparently betting on the Atlanta Falcons. Bet on them to win, not that that's entirely relevant to the uh, to the story, but did bet on the Atlanta Falcons and will be suspended for at least the 2022 year. Now, Ben, it becomes the, the standpoint of if you're Atlanta. Uh, we talked about this in take three. You get a temporary reprieve in that this year he's suspended. You do not have to pay him. So, you get a very much welcomed $11 million freed up against the salary cap, which the Falcons are in dire need of all the space uh, they can possibly get. But on the flip side, I mean, everyone pretty much agrees he can't play in Atlanta anymore, right? I mean, he, you had the mental health, which not one person has said that was a huge problem other than, look, if you can't play for us, then we're going to have to move on. And now you come back with a full season suspension uh, for gambling uh, I don't know that he's going to play in Atlanta uh, anymore. And if so, you talk about how much money he costs himself. How much do the Falcons hurt on this? Not this year because they get the 11 million hit, but when he comes back, he's still going to have that contract. Who's going to take him? I mean, he may be very talented, but he will not have played football in effectively about two years. He played not even, what, half the season this year and is not going to play at all this coming up year in 2022. So... Are the Falcons just stuck? Are they going to eat the rest of it? Like, what, what, what do you think happens there from a Falcons standpoint? They're going to have to get creative because the thing is, something you mentioned, Kevin, he is a talented player. And this is something that is very, very unique. Something that, obviously, when something first is reported, when something first happens, obviously everybody's emotions are running high. Everybody's going to try to be saying, like, if you are the Falcons, you're, saying all, you're trying to say all the right things. Uh, as far as, like, your organization, but you're also trying to, like, distance yourself from Calvin really while also knowing – because it's the same NFL, Kevin, you make a good point when you bring up a Michael Vick, right? The same NFL that, like, tore Michael Vick apart right. was the same one that welcomed him back when he came back and really built him back up. But the difference was what Michael Vick did was horrific. I am not condoning what he did with those dogs, right? But it wasn't involving the NFL. Like, it had nothing to do with the league. It had more to do with how he was brought up and his upbringing and different right. parts of, uh, you know, uh, Newport News, Virginia, different things. But when it comes to a situation like Calvin Ridley's, Kevin, you got to think about the front office saying, dude, what do we say? Because, one, we want to we wanna still support the player, but we also understand that the discipline that the player is being felt hurts us because he's not on the team 2022, maybe even 2023. And if we do decide to bring him back, once again, how do we – Let's just take the gambling out. Just say he's he's not going to gamble anymore. I, I, I can't be 100% certain, but I'm very, very sure. I'm more <laughs> like 70-30 or 80-20 that he's not going to gamble anymore. Or at least not use as his own As long as he's name. wanting to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's another thing, Kevin. If he was dealing with mental health problems before this, this is going to take a toll on him too because while he's saying all the right thing, he's not going to have a football team, to, a, a, a place to call home in 2022, and he's not getting paid. So – I don't know about you, but all of us, depending on how much money we make, we live off what we make, right? He's not making anything. So what if they do bring him back and just say, you know, 2023, and because his mental health is what it, or because of where he is, he's not going to be the same player two years away. What if he? What if he gets hurt? What if he? What if he's? 
What if he's like, you know, he wants to walk away from the game? I think it's too much uncertainty right now. I think right now everything is too fresh. But it does put the the, the Falcons in a in a very, very peculiar type place because this is uncharted waters, right? Like when it comes to the NFL, when it comes to sports, we most of the stuff we've seen or we've heard about it before. And to the point where, oh yeah, they're gonna get it. But it was this. It's so and the thing is, right? They put out they put out what happened first, then they tell you what how, how it led up to it after. Because right now, the reports are still coming out. You know, we hear parlay, and you got to fill out what a parlay is. We think, oh, I know, well, I know he ain't crazy enough to bet on the five. No, he did bet on the five. <laughs> then he comes out and say, well, I wasn't even watching games. I think there's a lot to digest right now. But this is what happened when you're talking about, you know, the, the most loved sport in America. Uh, a team in the NFL that's not just a team that's a slot filler. One, one of the better teams, one of the more, more well-known teams in a big, big market. And I just think that, you know, from Calvin Ridley's standpoint, you know, you live and you learn. You're going to try to do the best you can as far as, like, damage control. If you are the Falcons, Kevin, I think 2022, depending on how the team plays, you're going to have to say, listen, if Calvin Ridley does play another down of football in the National Football League, which I think he will, I don't think it can be with the Falcons because what it says is it's like, look, man, if we bring you back, we don't really have no reason to trust you. Like, no, we, it's true. I mean, you know, you know and, and and the thing about it is, is when you think about any level of any business, it comes down to that. It comes down to tr- production. It comes down to productivity. It comes down to professionalism. It comes down to trust. Do we trust you? And if you think about it, we have no reason to. They have no reason to trust Calvin Ridley right now because, one, they were supporting him whatever he was dealing with mentally. And paying him. And paying him. And now you're dealing with this. So I, I don't know, Kevin. This is a very, very peculiar situation. Like I said, NFL Network for a – it was it was not like it was a slow news day because you're talking about free agency, sure. you're talking about the franchise tag, you're talking about coming off the combine. This is the, when you see that breaking news, you be thinking it's gonna be you know maybe Aaron Rodgers got a new deal or maybe <laughs> like Matthew Stafford got a new deal or something. Calvin really got suspended for betting on games. Calvin really played for the. Think about this. There are people that never heard of Calvin really till today. There are people that are saying why would he do that. And there are people that say, well, wait a minute, he was hurt. He was he was at he was on the team at the time because he was he had walked away from it. So I don't know what's gonna happen from this, Kevin, but I would be shocked. I I do expect him to be in the NFL again. I would be shocked if he's wearing uh, you know, Atlanta red and black. Yeah, I, again, I don't think I don't think that's gonna be a possibility. We'll talk to D Orlando Ledbetter about that coming up at the top of the final hour in about 15 minutes. She's kind enough to join us on what is certainly a breaking news day. And I think the interesting part is how long did the Falcons know this was coming. Now, they first heard about it on February 9th. And again, conspiracy would say, Ben, the the NFL sat on this so they could get through the combine without any controversy, right? Hey, we're putting on our combine. We want the talk to be about these guys coming into the league, this and that. Then Monday, boom, you have the uh, the hammer come down on, uh, on Calvin Ridley. How long do you think the Falcons may have actually known, like, he's not going to play at all? Uh, coming up in 2022. They, it's so much that, I mean, they had to know something because they said in the past couple of weeks, multiple teams have asked about picking up Calvin Ridley from the Falcons, and the Falcons kind of said, nope, not going to do it. And kind of playing the, don't want to negotiate in bad faith, i.e., hey, yeah, you can, you can have him, take him, and then you, you get the paperwork signed. Oh, yeah, by the way, he's going to be suspended for you. I mean, the, the Falcons, again, had to walk a tightrope with this one because uh, you make that deal knowing he's going to get suspended, you are going to have a hard time finding friendly negotiating terms with a lot of people, especially the team you pulled that deal off with. Yes, and uh, and Kevin, I think, that's another thing, too. So you think about an organization, right? I got 53 guys, right? I also got practice squad. I also got position coaches. I also got a head coach. I got a president. 
And I got, you know, over, I got, you know, guy over operations and nutrition and all these and strength coaches, right? That's a lot of moving parts. When this comes down with Calvin Ridley, if you are Arthur Smith, you're thinking, wait, what? <laughs> because, he had, because, he because, had to know something because, was yeah, happening. I, I, mean. I, I think they did. I, listen, I give, the, I give the Falcons a lot of credit. They go, okay, if we, if we break the news, we got to be the ones facilitating it. I'd rather somebody else break it and we just ask, answer questions. Because if we break it, we, we, we got to talk like we know more about it. What we know. We don't know. We're getting fed this information too. Now, if you are Arthur Smith, have you spoken to Calvin really? Has he been in your office? Or do you go? Do you bring him in and go, hey, Calvin, man, how you doing? Man, you doing all right? Yeah. Calvin, yeah. Is that something you want me to know? No. Nah. <laughs> Are you sure? He'd be like, yes, Calvin, listen. The door is closed. Yeah. Is that something you want to tell me? He's like, nah, Calvin, look. Let me tell you what a lot of people need to realize about something that I said earlier about the, about the app called Genius. <laughs> right? Football players need to know, man, they always watching y'all. Like, how do they know? They always watching y'all. Like, what happened with Calvin Ridley happens with a lot of people because people get flagged and different stuff, but everybody name ain't Calvin Ridley. Everybody don't play for the Falcons. It's just like it goes back to the it goes back to the um to the Michael Vick thing. The FBI investigates things all the time. They don't expect Michael Vick name to come across their desk like the Michael Vick. <laughs> so what happens is when you start thinking about too much is giving much to require, Kevin. I mean the responsibilities that come with it. Look. I'm sorry. People go, hey, man, so you're telling me if Calvin Ridley, one of the things about being in the league you can't be Yes, that's one of the requirements. Yes. Or here's a thought. You can't bet on a freaking app that has all <laughs> your info on it. You know what I'm saying? So I, 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 we all have banks, right, And that have the identity theft thing. Sometimes right. they, Sometimes your car won't work because you're out of town, Kevin, and you're swiping it and it won't go through. Now, you get a message like, you know we got cheese in the bank, right? <laughs> but it ain't Is that how I am? Is and, but it'll send something to your phone to make sure it's you. It'll send your message saying that you, yes, no, give it one, two minutes to like, no. If you're Calvin really doing this, this is the crazy part. He has no clue this is happening. I'm going to go on the app. I'm going to bet. And I'm good. What? <laughs> like, you see what I'm saying? So no, I, I think, I think it's, a certain level of, it's a certain level of being naive on his part that he didn't really get. It takes being, look, high-profile people have high-profile consequences. High-profile people have high-profile consequences. It's not supposed to happen to you the way it happened to somebody else because you're not just another face in the crowd. I give you shy words driving down the street that really had bird poo yeah. on the front of his car, and it was that, and he still went to jail. And guess what? It was on tape. He's shy words. It, it, ain't, it ain't fair. But Calvin really look, man. Please stop tweeting because I think it only it only it only makes the situation worse, Kevin. Because like I say, every time I refresh Twitter, I'm getting another freaking report. Like it goes deeper than that. I I hope it doesn't. But hey, man, Calvin really, man, you you trying to you kind of giving people a a little glimpse of what you do in your private life, regardless if it was one time you did do it. Right. We've got more to come here. D. Orlando Ledbetter going to join us in about 13 minutes or so on the show. It's- Max Starks, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're listening to 3 and Out with BJ, Ben, and Kevin. 
Good to have you here, three and out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. Thanks for making us part of your day. 912-342-7184. Your thoughts on Calvin Ridley, suspended for at least the 2022 season and could be longer. We'll chat with D. Orlando Ledbetter coming up in uh, just a little bit at the top of next hour. We'll get the very latest on Calvin Ridley. Also, Opio Mashriki, Savannah State Athletic Director, will join us. Both Tiger teams in the NCAA D2 Tournament uh, upcoming and Mike Renner, lead analyst for Pro Football Focus. We we're going to have him on to talk about the draft, and we may still, uh, the combine, we may still hit some of that, but obviously Calvin Ridley dominating the NFL news in our area today. So a lot to get to. And as you said, Ben, uh, Calvin Ridley tweeting more in the past 30 minutes than he has in, in a month or so, seemingly. Calvin Ridley just tweeted 14 minutes ago. I know I was wrong, but I'm getting one year? LOL. Calvin, look, listen to me, man. Whew. I got to say this again, man. High-profile people come with high-profile consequences, man. You high-profile, right? You're famous. But you just you did something in the bylaws that you shouldn't do. You can't be betting. Definitely can't be betting on your freaking team. Live in it. Soak in it. This is what I hope he doesn't do, though. With so many, with so many outlets now, Kevin and Cam, to be able to get your story out there, oh, my goodness. Please don't go on the interview circuit. Please don't sit down with all these people because they're going to make it worse. Why? Because they, they're they in the cliques. They're going to let you say whatever you want to say, right? So be careful. If you got whoever's on your team that's helping you, listen to them. You know, go get your whole bunch of, I don't know, motivational quotes or something. But please stop, please stop uh, tweeting about it. You made a mistake, man. If people make mistakes, ain't nobody. People going to come at you because you the scapegoat right now. You, you are the punching bag right now. Uh, because but you it's know, not you're, like you're, you said you did. He admitted he did it. Like it's not like you are even standing on the. I didn't really do it. I'm going to appeal it. He came out and said it was only fifteen hundred. It's always like and it cost you ten million. <laughs> wow, it's a lot. That, that, a lot. That, that, of those got to be the word. Those got to be. Oh, oh. And so, look, please don't say somebody. Listen, somebody. Let me see what it says. I we got about ten sure. seconds. Roger Sherman. Calvin really bet fifteen hundred dollars, lost ten million. Those are the worst odds in gambling history. Uh, it certainly are. We've got more to come. D Orlando Ledbetter, AJC.com covers the Falcons gonna join us when we come back. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We are streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com on your mobile uh, device with the ESPN app. D Orlando coming up next. You're on three and out. Hour of three and out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day so much going on around the National Football League. Ben, we thought we were going to be talking about Combine and kind of how things shaped up there, and then boom, Calvin Ridley pops into uh, the timeline and uh, has got the uh, the thing turned on his head and joining us here from the AJC.com. He covers the Atlanta Falcons and uh, gracious enough to give us some time here on a Monday. D. Orlando Ledbetter joins us. Daryl, welcome. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on the show today. Hey, we appreciate you coming on. So, uh, so Calvin Ridley, uh, obviously, we see what has happened. Uh, the Falcons knew about it, uh, at least the incident, all the way back to February. How long have they known that a potential season-long suspension could have been forthcoming? Uh, it looks like they got that news today. They've known about it since February the 9th. Uh, so, um, you know, they were already looking at receivers. Uh, down at the Senior Bowl. So, uh, uh, you know, now they uh, were certainly looking at them at the uh, Combine, and, uh, you know, they got to move forward without Calvin Ridley. 
I mean, Darren, when you think about a guy like Calvin Ridley, obviously when he first stepped away, you know, and I'm not saying now he wasn't still dealing with his mental health. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not questioning that at all. But a situation like this, I know they say he's suspended for 2022. What's the likelihood that 2022 could potentially become 2023 or maybe indefinitely until they decide what the league wants to do with him? Um, I don't, I, I've looked at some of the old cases. Uh, we got uh, Paul Horning, uh, Alex Karras, uh, and I think Arch Leister is one. And uh, it's fifth, he's the fifth guy. I got to find out who the fourth guy is. I don't think Arch Leister ever made it back. Um, Paul Horning and Alex Karras, and we're talking about 1963 guys. They they both did a year. So so uh, you know if he's got uh, uh, you know, if he doesn't have any other problems uh, and he can show that he hasn't gambled, then, you know, the year is probably what happens for him. Uh, I also covered the Pete Rose trial earlier in my career in Cincinnati, So, and, and, but that's baseball, and they got all together different goofy gambling rules, so we won't even get into that. <laughs> But Daryl, uh, I mean, obviously Calvin Ridley was on, uh, you know, I, I, I shouldn't, I guess I don't know of a better way to phrase it, like shaky terms with the facts in terms of his roster status because they just didn't know when he was going to come back and even had, uh, you know, heard trade offers. I, I would imagine is this, I mean, I guess it's nice to say he's done, but after a year and a half out of the game from injury and now this, what's his value going to be if he comes back? Yeah, definitely diminished. Uh, no question about it. I, um, you know, I think they were trying to get maybe a first or a second from him because he's, you know, young and early in his career and has been relatively productive. I mean, you know, I've been parallel and uh, his numbers with Marvin Harrison. They were drafted along the same time and their numbers were the same. Calvin's was a little bit ahead of them. And, of course, you know, Marvin's in the Hall of Fame now. So, I mean, that's what type of talent he was and uh, was projecting to be. So, if he could, uh, you know, pull it together and get back, uh, you know, we've seen the NFL give guys second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. Uh, I can't remember the little kid's last name, but Josh, that was with Cleveland. I couldn't stay away from drugs. Yeah, Josh Gordon. I got eight different chances there. Yeah, there. I mean, this, this is. I mean, as you mentioned, the cases you was looking at was back in the sixties, right? This is such a. This is such a rarity. When you're talking about uh, infractions when it comes to players, regardless of the sport, how much does this have to do with the fact that there really isn't nothing to really compare this to? Because we really have it. Every time people hear about gambling in the sport, you think of the, the former referee that played, I mean, the former referee that was in the NBA. Obviously, Tim Pete Donahue, Rose, yeah. Obviously, Pete Rose in, in, I mean, in baseball. Is Calvin really going to be the new face, unfortunately, of gambling when it comes to the NFL? I don't think so because, you know, the NFL, they need to update their rules. I mean, they. They, they, it's gambling legalized in a lot more states now. Um, you know, maybe, uh, uh, you know, you got casinos all over the place now, different reservations and so forth. Uh, you got the Falcons have a lottery ticket you could buy. Uh, so, you know, these kids might be confused, you know, on, on what's allowed and what's not allowed. Uh, you know, and it was only, he, he, he started tweeting. He said it was only $1,500. He doesn't have a gambling problem. Uh, you know, other than the fact that you're not supposed to gamble in the game. But then you got a team in Vegas, um, you know. So they got to update the rules, I think. I, I think if um, I'm arguing on Calvin's behalf, uh, you know, yeah, we got a violation, but we might need to amend uh, the penalty and the rules here. This kid's going to lose $11.1 million over $1,500. 
that I think equitable to me. Yeah, and the, and the league, as you said, makes money off of advertising from gambling sites and uh, and things of that nature. Uh, but uh, you know, Daryl, when you you look at uh, the league and, and, and gambling, do I know we bet on the Falcons? Does it bring into question again the integrity of the the sporting events? I know that's the concern when you have athletes betting on sports. Either way, is that somehow what we're seeing might be affected by what somebody has going on on the side there? Yeah, if he knows that you know Russell Gage isn't playing and he's fighting on the uh, vote, you know voting uh, against the Falcons. Uh, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of you know different betting rules and so forth that you guys take into account. Uh, but yeah, you definitely probably don't want to have guys betting on your, on the, the games in their league. I'm wondering how different would it be if he was voting on or betting on NBA games. I mean, and 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 there. I mean, when I when it when it came across, I mean, everybody it was it was obviously shocking because obviously Calvin really was away from the game, and now you look at this. How much does this shine a light on a guy like Calvin really and the rest of the players? Let them know that look, man. I know you guys be thinking that quote. I get to blend in. And I get to do regular things, but you don't. You always getting to watch. I'm not saying that the the the, the app genius uh, doesn't do this with other people when it comes to like trying to put. Bets on, but they these players got to know that look, man, you know, you're not a regular person, not just another face in the crowd. You got to know that when these type of things happen, it's going to be big time scrutiny attached to it. Yeah, no question about it. And Chris Carter got in trouble when he said, hey, you know, you need uh, people around. I, I interpreted it to mean, hey, you need people around you to help you look after things. And folks uh, took it to mean something uh, more nebulous than that. But, you know, you got to have uh, some some people that, you know, if you're going out and you're going to be gambling, it might probably not need to be in your name. Uh, you know, so uh, just common sense stuff that, uh, you know, you know the rules and you still choose to break them. Yeah, that's, you know, that's going to be a problem. So uh, that that's what we have here. And, uh, you know, Calvin's got to pay the, the, the cost here in football, lose a year and maybe – um, you know, lose eleven million dollars. The Orlando AJC joining us and and Daryl for the Falcons. Uh, what does this do for them in the short term? Obviously, they're going to get what ten, eleven million dollars of cap space. I know not the way they wanted to get it, but uh, how does that change things for them in light of no Calvin Ridley officially? Yeah, they get under the cap at four million. You can get to the Cordell Patterson deal a little bit quicker now. Uh, you definitely got all your money for the uh, long snapper, punter, and kicker now if you want to do those first. Uh, you know, you still got to do some work with the other four contracts uh, just so you can fill the team. And then you got to get a wide receiver. Um, you know, do you want Amari Cooper? He's going to be available. Uh, do you want uh, Drake London, um, uh, Chris Olave? Uh, you know, you got a couple of receivers in the draft here that will be available for you. So um, you got to get some receivers now, and you're going to have to do that anyway, but now you definitely have to do it. I mean, Adair, what's what you think is going to be the best strategy for the Falcons when you talk about being able? Because you, it's not. I mean, you replacing a number one receiver. So do you go? Do you got to? Do you try to do it through the draft and free agency, or do you say I want to get my number one maybe in free agency if one is available like Amari Cooper, but also add one in the draft with maybe like a Chris Lyman? Because all these guys are not going to go first round. You're going to be able to get quality receivers with first round or first round uh, grades in the second and third round. Yeah, no doubt. That's where my man George Pickens comes in at, you know. Uh, 
Uh, he's coming back from the uh, surgery, but uh, he ran, he ran for he ran a four four ran first round speed. But uh, you know there's there's a bunch of wide receivers. I don't know if you you want them little Smurf guys uh, from Baylor that were running real fast and so forth. But definitely uh, Alave, um, uh, maybe Pickens in the you got two picks in the second round now. So um, maybe not Amari Cooper. Maybe you go Cole Beasley. Uh, because he's uh, being shopped around, uh, and you get him as a slot, and you got Big George as a um, you know outside tough guy. He wants an AJ Brown tough guy like he had in uh, Tennessee. Uh, you don't have anybody like that on the roster right now. So look at the big wide receivers, the guys that could take the ball uh, off of the defenders' back, uh, and then maybe a veteran, uh, uh, you know, veteran slot guy because you're probably going to lose Gage. The Orlando Ledbetter, our guest here on 3 and Out. Daryl, really appreciate the time. I know a busy afternoon. Thanks so much. Sure, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. Appreciate it. D. Orlando Ledbetter, AJC.com, covers the Atlanta Falcons there. And hit on a number of things, Ben, where you talk about uh, no Calvin Ridley, going to miss a year. Obviously, it doesn't matter. As he said, it's only 1500 bucks. Well, you shouldn't have been gambling in the first place, according to the rules. Now, as he said, maybe the rules need updating because, you know, obviously – NFL makes a whole lot of money associated with gambling and, th- and things of that nature uh, that we see with online fantasy and all that kind of stuff. Maybe they need to be updated, but you can't bet on NFL games under your name with with your account. And uh, the, obviously, and then the, the irony, as you said, uh, the, the the company that kind of alerted the NFL to all this was kind of like a third party company uh, named Genius. Well, don't use your own name with your money on an app that. Uh, not supposed to be betting on football. So it's kind of a strange day all the way around for Atlanta. But Calvin Ridley stopped tweeting, and Falcons going to be without him for a year. Yeah, yeah, Kevin. But it, but look, until they until they update it, these are the rules. Yeah. Until 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 I don't know. I know people are saying, oh man, the the uh, the NFL uh, partners with a partners with like a supplement company is also a banned substance for the NFL. Well, don't take it. The NFL is, is also partnering with. You know, a lot of, uh, you know, beer manufacturers in the, talk about drinking and drive. Don't drink and drive. Look, the NFL is a is a entity, and you are one of the products that drive it. If they say you can't do it, you can't do it. I mean, think about it. If, I, I heard somebody say, if I'm, if I'm a financial consultant, there are certain things that I can't invest in in the stock market because it's a conflict of interest. I can still put it out there to your clients, though. So this isn't the first time that you don't get to be involved in something because you, because you know, you're 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 the product. So the people saying, I think I think it's kind of crazy. No, it's not crazy. It is not. Everybody has things that you can't do because of the job that you have. If Kevin really wants to bet on games, walk away from the league. Oh, he don't want to do that. So you can't bet on him. It's a <laughs> yeah. bunch of play. I mean, I'm sorry. It, that that's just how it goes. And I'm and I just think that if you can't, and, and the thing is, what type of what type of return are you going to get if you do win? You're a millionaire. $1,500 this cost you eleven. Calvin, please stay away from tweeting, man. I understand yeah. that this is a consequence because you're high profile. But even if you weren't high profile, you're in the National Football League. So that would go for a coach. That would go for a trainer. That would go for an equipment man. If you <clears throat> are employed by, a, by the National Football League, you cannot bet on games, whether you play the game or not, point blank, period, end of discussion. And until they change those rules, this is what it is. Well, we've got more to come. We'll certainly talk more about that. Uh, coming up a little bit later in the show, Ben, as we're going to talk uh, with Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. We were going to talk a lot of stuff coming out of the uh, the Combine, 
and we'll do that as well. But certainly, uh, Calvin Ridley dominating the uh, the news right now as he is suspended for the 2022 season. We'll come back. We'll switch gears a little bit. Opio Mashariki, uh, athletic director there at Savannah State, will join us. Not one, but two basketball programs in the NCAA D2 tournament, men's and women's. Men won the uh, the conference championship. Women's the team finished second. He'll join us next here on Three and Out of the Southern. Good to have you back here on Three and Out as March Madness is upon us. And at Savannah State, both teams headed to the postseason after the, uh, the Savannah State men's team won the conference championship. The uh, Savannah State women's team finished second. Uh, coming up short in the conference championship game, both, though, going on to the NCAA D2 tournament. Joining us here, athletic director at Savannah State, Opio Mashariki joins us here on 3 and Out. Opio, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Talk about Thanks just a, I was saying, talk about a, a banner season there on uh, the basketball court. Both teams going to the postseason. Uh, just speak to the run that you've seen these two teams uh, kind of go on. The, obviously, the women's team all year long, and the men's team uh, pretty solid in the regular season, got hot there in the conference tournament, won the championship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we saw our women's team do well, extremely well throughout the year. Um, our men's team did well as well. Um, but going into the tournament, we knew that both teams, you know, needed to just put together three to four games, you know, to come out with the championship. They both made it to the championship game. Um, our women's team fell a little short, but it doesn't diminish the season that they had, um, which, you know, we found out yesterday they were going to the regionals. Um, but our men's team did a, a phenomenal job. Um, led by Coach Broadnax to, you know, put four games together to get that championship. Opio, when you think about the fact that both teams, I mean, I know a lot of times when you start talking about making it to the tournament, it's usually one team will have a better season than the other, and then you talk about the men's or the women's, they could be competing against each other just uh, for supremacy on that, on that campus when you look at both of them being competitive. But it's got to make you feel good knowing that both, you talk about the women's and the season they had, I think only losing like twice during the regular season. You talk about the men putting together that four-game run to win it. Just talk about both of those teams saying, look, man, it's great to have both of the, both teams having success, and you get to see how far they can make it in this tournament. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's exciting. You know, when you, you have two teams, um, what was really profound to me was um, how supportive they were of each other um, throughout the season. But then at the tournament, the men's team showed up for every game for the women. The women's team showed up for every game um, for the men. They celebrated each win together. Um, that really, really stood out for me, um, which I think is what leads to a lot of the success that they were having, um, you know, because they support each other, you know, they talk to each other. Um, but it's exciting to see that. But it's also exciting to see, you know, the success that we've had throughout the season and what it does for our athletic department and our student athletes and understanding that, you know, you work hard, you know, you listen to your coaches. Um, we got good coaching staff and you see the outcome of it. I was going to say, and, and Obi, I was trying to think, I was asking somebody here if they knew offhand, maybe you know offhand, have you had uh, both teams in the tournament at the same time before? You know, so we, we got a great um, assistant athletic director for media relations, Josh Peacock, who is looking up all this information. And, you know, as far as we have gone back historically, we have not. Um, our women's basketball program um, hasn't won the championship in the SIAC. Our men did it in 1981. But as far as we went back and, and spoke to some people and looked from a historical perspective, we've never had both teams in the championship. 
Opio, what does it say about you know how far this uh, how far Savannah State Athletics is, basketball specifically has come in a very very short time to go from you know to go to Division Two, man, it's not an easy transition for nobody involved because everybody you know everybody has to go through that transition. You see how you know you guys haven't been in D two that long to be able to have this much success, and like you mentioned, you've never had both the men's and the women's. It speaks to not just the coaches but the players and everybody buying in. Right. So you know, ultimately, change is hard. When we went from Division One to Division Two, you know, it was difficult um, in terms of just changing the attitude, the thought process, you know, um, changing the culture at Savannah State. And then remember, right after that happened, COVID hit. So, you know, we, we, we weren't playing many games. We were testing. You know, our student athletes were a little frustrated in terms of they were able to practice. Um, we gave them every opportunity we could to be able to play. So all of these things you would think would defeat um, our athletic department, but it didn't, um, which speaks volumes to the coaching staff and the student athletes and our administration um, because we decided that we were going to continue on and we were going to make sure our student athletes were healthy. And when we got the opportunity to play, well, we were going to play. You see, our football program has success. Our men's and women's basketball program has success. Our baseball program success. You know, golf program. We got a lot of programs that's having success. And I think that's just a testament um, to the dedication of the coaches. It's a testament to the dedication of the student athletes that during the process of us not being able to play, they, you know, stayed focused so that when it was time to play, we went out there and we continue, you know, to have success. Yeah, I think to me that's where the, the, the payoff has been so good uh, for, for, for the student athletes because, as you said, uh, going through COVID at the D2 level, that, like you said, the, it wasn't like we saw at other levels where they were fighting to get six, eight, however many games. You guys had a whole season canceled in, in a number of, uh, of instances. And just speak to being inside the athletic department trying to continue moving forward under, at times, obviously, uncertainty about what the heck was going to happen moving forward. Right. So, you know, it's, it's tough to speak to it. Um, you know, hopefully at some point, maybe five, ten years down the line, somebody will write a book um, just in terms of not just our athletic department, but just across the nation and what everybody went through. Uh, you know, it, it, it was not easy. It was difficult. Um, we also, during the time, was going through a transition to Division Two, So it was a little bit more difficult for us, but the focus always remained on the student-athletes and the student-athlete welfare. So our always concern, and it still is, um, is that our student-athletes are healthy and safe. After that, they can practice. After that, they can compete. And we make sure that, you know, when we go into competitions, our student-athletes are healthy and safe, and the other teams are healthy and safe. But it's, it's, it, it was difficult, um, but, you know, we, we worked our way through it together. We had a lot of discussions, agreements, disagreements. And so when things like this happen, it kind of makes you feel good about the process that we went through. So it makes it feel like it's worth it. You know, all of the things that we did, um, we always kept our student-athletes welfare at the forefront. And when you do that, I think that ultimately good things are going to happen. And this is all of those things coming to fruition. Well, we just talk about just talk about how you know, HBCUs as a whole, man, have been kind of like under the spotlight when you you talk about COVID and different things. Obviously, you know, uh, you know, Dion and like uh, you know, you talk about Eddie George and Hugh Jackson, like Grambling and TSU, and obviously Jackson State. But you look at what you guys are doing at Savannah State and the Legacy Bowl. Just talk about the momentum around HBCUs as a whole, embracing all athletics, and you guys are seemingly taking advantage of this of this exposure right now. Yeah, so you know, HBCUs. They love their athletics. You know, it's a, it's a different kind of athletics, whether it's a Division One HBCU or Division II um, HBCU. But uh, our constituents always support 
Um, you know, we, we, we have fans. One of the toughest things when we were going through COVID and having games or not having fans, so now that the fans are able to be out there, you can see the difference in how our student-athletes compete and how they play. So, you know, I mean, ultimately, for HBCUs, the atmosphere is paramount, meaning the atmosphere at the games, you know, when you got the band out there for football games and basketball games, like all of those things, you know, make it an exciting, exciting atmosphere. So now that we're back to that and we've been back to that this year, um, you know, it, it, it's helpful. It's helpful for our student athletes to feel their presence. It's helpful for, you know, the opposing team to feel their presence. So, you know, I, I think that it's just an exciting time for all of athletics, but specifically for HBCUs because you got that band, you got the cheerleaders there, you know, you got the booster club and all of the alumni that's there to support. So all of those things help. And our alumni, and I'll say this, our alumni, you know, drove out to Rock Hill, South Carolina, and supported our student-athletes. And that was tremendous encouragement for them, for them, for them to be able to continue and to make it to the championships. Opio Mashariki joining us here on 3 and Out. And Opio, finally, uh, tell folks about the next steps for your basketball programs, when and where they're going to be playing to, to start off the, uh, the NCAA tournament run. Okay, well, our women's team, um, they go to Jackson, Tennessee. Um, they'll be playing Union. At 5 o'clock on Friday, um, our men's team goes to Fort Lauderdale. Uh, they'll be playing Nova Southeast, and we don't have a time yet, but that's going to be on Saturday, um, the 12th. So uh, we implore everybody, if you can't make it out there, we want people to come out and support. Um, you'll be able to watch it, whether it's live-streamed or live stats. But those are the two times that we play, and we're excited. Our, our student athletes are excited. Um, you, you know, we're thankful for the NCAA for allowing us to come out there and play our men's team. You know, they got the AQ for winning the championship. But our women's team, because of their hard work and dedication and what they've done throughout the year, they were rewarded. They were rewarded by the NCAA to be able to go in and play in these regionals. And, and, and we're really, really, really appreciative of that. Opio Marshariki, our guest here on 3 and Out, Athletic Director at Savannah State. Opio, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. As he said, the women's team playing on Friday, men's team playing on Saturday to begin their run in the NCAA D2 tournament. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out. Ben, when we come back, we'll get the latest on Calvin Ridley. Mike Renner, lead analyst for Pro Football Focus, will join us when we return all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Back here on 3 and Out, busy day in the National Football League with Calvin Ridley being suspended for the 2022 season uh, for gambling on football, including the Atlanta Falcons. This on a week where we're coming out of the Combine and looking ahead to the draft. And joining us here on uh, 3 and Out, the lead draft analyst for PFF, uh, Mike Renner, joins us here on 3 and Out. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. And, and and again, I know just from news from today, Calvin really suspended for a year. I know the Falcons had entertained trade talks. How do you think this affects their draft, knowing that they can't trade Calvin Ridley, but they will be without Calvin Ridley? Well, I think it means they're definitely going wide receiver. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be in any of their future plans. And without him, you have probably the worst wide receiving core in the NFL. So they're going to address wide receiver at some point. And, well, it's a good year to do it. It's a very deep wide receiver class. They don't even have to use that eighth overall pick on him. They can go somewhere in the second, somewhere in the third, later on this draft. Maybe they, they might have traded their second. No, I, never mind about that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that means they'll be going wide receiver at some point here. 
And Mike, with so many, I mean, when you think about uh, how impressive all these groups were at the combine, none, none stood out more than the wide receiver group. When you think about a guy like George Pickens, missed a four year at Georgia, still goes out there and pl- pl- uh, runs like a four four one forty. You see what the, you see what uh, you know Wilson and uh, Alave did for Ohio State, Traylon Burks. I mean, James Williams. You got a bunch of receivers. If you are the Falcons and you are going to take a receiver at eight, if you're going to potentially take one that high, out of all those guys, who do you go with? For me, I'd probably lean Drake London. I think he has the, the least replaceable skill set of that bunch. Like, I don't think you're finding a Drake London in round two, whereas I think every of the other guys, whether it's Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, there's like another wide receiver with a similar skill set that you could probably find later on the draft. Obviously not going to be the same guy, but similar skill sets, whereas there's no six foot four, 220-pound monster who is going to catch anything within, you know, 10 feet of them that you can throw up to there that can separate underneath the way he can with the body control that he can. I think he's a unique uh, sort of wide receiver, unique skill set for the wide receiver position that doesn't come around every year. And especially with kind of flexibility uh, and separation ability he has in his lower half that a lot of the taller wide receivers really get stuck on press. But with Drake London this past year, like he got off the line scrimmage with ease. So, yeah, I think that's the guy I'd lean to. That's your prototypical 100-catch guy that you can plug and play day one. Mike Renner, PFF, joining us here on 3 and Out. So after uh, watching the Combine, I know a lot of people have talked about the depth of this draft. I mean, are we talking about potential first-round talent at multiple positions you could find in that second round? Yeah, it's a unique class in that I don't think there's more than a, more than a couple or three guys that you really want top five grades on top 10 grades on, but then there's probably about 30 to 40, depending on whose board you're talking about first round type of talent. But I think you're going to see a lot of guys in that top of the second round range that are going to come in and be impact starters from day one. So I don't think you're going to see a Micah Parsons in this class. I don't think you're going to see a Jamar Chase in this class, but there will be a lot of guys starting immediately, probably through the entire second round. You're going to be finding talent at the back end, which is rare. Uh, at a number of different positions, whether it's wide receiver, edge, linebacker. I even throw safety in there where there's just a lot more talent at certain positions than usual. Mike, I mean, obviously, you you know, obviously, you know, you know, uh, scouting these guys and watching these guys and breaking them down. Obviously, some of these guys put up some big-time numbers at the Combine. You talk about a guy like London, for which he just – I mean, you talk about it. He, got, he has irreplaceable skills. How much of what you watch is look, man? I'm looking at what he does on the field compared to just him being a good athlete, running really, really fast with nothing on but shorts and, and a shirt. Yeah, you really have to still lean on the tape. Like uh, The Combine testing is a nice check for what you saw on tape, but it does not replace what you saw on tape. So when you see a guy – uh, you know, like uh, Taekwon Thornton, the wide receiver out of Baylor, go four two eight, and that's great. And you know that speed still is going to play on over routes, goes whatever. Like you can't teach a guy to be that fast, but a guy also has to play wide receiver. A guy also has to get open and have some fluidity in his movement and have some ball skills and other things. So much goes into the position that these guys are still skilled players, and some players just aren't going to develop that skill. And so, uh, it, like I said, the combine doesn't replace what you saw on tape. You really have to focus on where guys win and how they're able to win and then take that basically that athletic testing into account because a lot of top wide receivers in the NFL, Devontae Adams, New Hopkins, Michael Thomas, those guys ran four five seven, four five nine. They were not fast wide receivers. I think there is a lot more, like I said, that goes into playing the game of football than just 
being a freak athlete. You look at uh, the deepest position group in the top ten. I, I think we've heard a number of guys, the Jags right down uh, from us, looking offensive line. How deep is that that tackle room, and is, is there – this may be one of the best tackle classes we've seen in a while coming out in the draft. Yeah, I think it's got top-end talent. To me, it reminds me of, was it two years ago when we had Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Mekhi Becton, those like four guys go top 13. I think you're going to see a similar run on tackles this year with Evan Neal from Alabama, Ike Aquanu from NC State, uh, Charles Croft from Mississippi State, and Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. I think those four go highly. And I think it is a very good class at the top. The problem is there's not much depth. Like you, you want one of those four guys. You want Bernard Ryman, the Central Michigan tackle. And then after that, you're probably not going to find a starting offensive tackle in this draft. So that's kind of the way of the world at offensive tackle. That's, the guys are easy to identify that are you know, 6'5", 300-plus and move well. But there's not a lot of them because that's a, big, that's a high bar for a cutoff for physical sort of ability. So... I think you'll see those, like I said, those five guys end up getting drafted highly because so many teams need tackle, and like I said, there ain't many after those five. When you think about, when you think about these pass rushes, I mean, obviously it starts with uh, Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. You look at what Jordan Davis did, being 341 uh, you know, pounds and running as fast as he did. Is there a, is there a Von Miller or a Bosa or, or a Chase Young? Is there, is there a, that, type, that caliber player in this year's draft? Because a lot of times, Mike, we think it's got to be the top-tier guys, but it could be a late-round guy to end up having a better pro career, maybe even a better rookie year than the guys that's going to go top 10, top 15. I think there is in this class. I think it's Aiden Hutchinson. I think he should be the no-brainer number one overall pick because, one, he was the most dominant player in college football last year. He's flipped on the tape towards the end of the year and what he was doing against you know, Ohio State. Iowa was right up there with Chase Young and how he looked at his peak. And the thing is, to me, like, everyone loved the 40s and the explosive drills and whatever, and Jordan Davis, you know, showed out and that. Some other guys came on Thibodeau showed out in the 40, but Aiden Hutchinson ran almost the exact same three-cone as Von Miller. Aiden Hutchinson is 20 pounds heavier than Von Miller was coming out, and Von Miller's known for bending that edge. Like, he is a guy that has elite change of direction ability. You saw it on tape, elite hand usage already. Like, to me, he is NFL-ready. Uh, in the mold that like the Bosa's were, that those guys hit the ground from day one and were 10-sack dudes. I think that's what Aiden Hutchinson is. Maybe you're not chasing the same ceiling that you could with Kayvon Thibodeau, but yeah, to me, Aiden Hutchinson is the safest pick in this draft. And if your team like Jacksonville Jaguars, you just need a hit. You know, you just need to chalk up a W here at some point with all your drafts the past few years. So that's, that's my opinion on this edge class. Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus, joining us here on 3 and Out. Mike, uh, everybody obviously infatuated with quarterbacks. How do you see this year's class? I know it seems like uh, we're, we talk ourselves into guys becoming first-round quarterbacks a lot of times so once the college season is over. How, how do you see it with, uh, with this class? Yeah, there's a lot of talking yourselves into this class. It, 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 to me, the best way to describe it is that every quarterback is like a quarterback four in a normal class. Like last year – I would have put all five of those guys that went first round ahead of the top quarterback in this class, whoever that may be. Um, but it's just there's a lot of guys with tools, not a lot of guys who have played good football. So, so it's easy to talk yourself into them. Like you see Malik Willis, the Liberty quarterback, and he runs like a running back. He throws, you know, he could probably, he's probably got 70-plus yards in his arm, just the easiest uh, gas on his throw to the far hash. And you see all the highlight reel plays, but then you do like, 
go flip on the Louisiana tape and you're like, this guy is who, I, you know, is who I'm trying to talk myself into as a top 10 pick. He was just throwing the ball left and right. Like, he is just not a polished product by any means. And none of these guys are. And they're either uh, the one that's closest to a polished product is probably Kenny Pickett. He's, you know, way older, fifth year guy, has started for four years and only had one good year. And he's even still, he has kind of a middling arm by NFL standards and maybe not the highest ceiling that you could be chasing. So there's. There's just a lot of meh in this class that you're someone's going to throw some darts and hope something sticks because that's really all these guys are at that point. Tyron Matthew is going to test free agency this year. Derwin James is a freak athlete. You look at what a guy like Buda Baker uh, brings to the table. Jamal Adams is more of a thumping uh, type of uh, type safety. Kyle Hamilton out of uh, Notre Dame. This guy, I mean, he seems as though he don't have a lot of flaws. I know you talked about uh, you know Aiden Hutchinson being the sure. The best surefire number one overall pick. Where would you rank Kyle Hamilton? Not just where he is as a safety, but how does he blend in uh, in the National Football League? Yeah, so he's Hutchinson's one on the PFF board. Hamilton's two. Like those guys are that good. Uh, to me, he's probably more of a box player, which isn't really a knock. Uh, like he can just seamlessly go and play linebacker, and I, I don't think he'd have any issues whatsoever with how physical he is at two hundred twenty pounds, six foot four. So. I think that's where you're going to want him just because of his short air explosiveness, his wingspan, all plays so much more there. I thought he can't make an impact on the back end and will definitely when asked to line up there, but he's just a guy you want around the ball with his nose for the football and all the physical tools he brings to the table. So to me, he's almost like a, he's like a rangier, more fluid version of Isaiah Simmons, where Isaiah Simmons, you know, played safety at Clemson top 10 pick, and it's like, everyone's like, yeah, he has to play linebacker in the NFL. He's not going to just play safety. To me, I think that's a little bit of Kyle Hamilton. You're probably not going to want him just at true safety because it's wasting his talent, And but he's just smoother in coverage. Things come way more naturally to him in coverage, and if you're playing man coverage with him on a tight end, uh, slot, wide receiver, whatever, he'll be completely fine. You look at the combine, and I know you said you're looking to validate what it, it showed you on tape. Who's the guy, though, that you think made themselves some money with their performance at the combine? There was a lot of guys. I, I mean, the one that probably made himself the most was Jordan Davis, the Georgia defensive tackle, because you hear about weight concerns at Georgia, effort concerns, how many snaps can he play? Comes in 20 pounds lighter, and that's already a win. Like I think no one in the NFL needs to be playing at 360 along the defensive line begging to get gassed out and get yourself injured. So comes in 20 pounds lighter and then breaks combine records for defensive tackle is broad jump over 10, 10 foot three. Like his linear explosiveness is unlike anything I've seen for a guy that large. So I think teams are going to say, you know, we can, we can excuse if he's not going to play, you know, a thousand snaps here. We don't really care. This guy's about as sure a thing as it gets in the running game with how explosive he is off the football. So, uh, I think he went from probably back end of the first round to probably top 10 to 15 picks. And, Mike, man, when it's all said and done, as impressive as his combine was, I know it's all about the quarterbacks, as Kevin mentioned. You talk about Jordan Davis and even even his uh, Georgia teammates and what they how they just took over the combine. When it's all said and done, when we look back on this 2022 draft, and I know it's, I know it's still early, who's going to be a guy that we said, look, man, I know that we were talking about Hutchinson and Thibodeau, but this guy ended up being the best out of all of them. The best out of all of them. That's the high bar. Because I do think it's, it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. It's probably going to be the best out of all of them. The, the one guy I'd say is like an interesting case um, is Purdue's George Karloftis. Uh, 
uh, evaluations of him are all over the map. He did a lot of different things for Purdue this past year as a junior and never came off the football field and played a massive, massive workload. So you'll see some snaps where he's definitely not, you know, at 100% going. But he's a guy who was on the Greek uh, U16 water polo national team. He's a very diverse sort of renaissance man who bought uh, a bought a apartment next to the workout facility at Purdue so that he could be at the workout facility as much as possible. He's got They rave about his work ethic and what he's capable of. And at 266 pounds, he had a 38-inch vertical up combine. Now, he didn't fully test, but this guy had some unique physical ability to where what he could be, like I said, with that work ethic, what kind of physical physicality he brings to the table. He could be, you know, we could be talking about him as the sort of T.J. Watt steal in this draft class that no one expected T.J. Watt blowing up, and all of a sudden he became what he became. Mike Renner, PFF lead draft analyst, our guest here on 3 and Out. So, Mike, now the countdown on to the draft. How much do you believe – of anything that teams tell you from this point moving forward? Ooh, I, I never believe what teams tell us. I, I mean, I believe it when it's like an insider who's, who is like past, has like a past with that team or something. That's about the only time I'll believe what teams tell us because otherwise if it's just, you know, Adam Schefter getting a text from an agent or a text <laughs> from a coach or a text from the GM, they're doing it for a reason. You know, they're, they're posturing there. So I, I rarely buy into that sort of smoke. Mike Grinner, our guest here on 3 and Out. Mike, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. For sure, fellas. Appreciate you having me on. Have a good one. You too. Mike Grinner, our guest here on 3 and Out. We'll come back on 3 and Out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. Again, if you're just joining us, Calvin Ridley will not be joining the Falcons in 2022. That's because he's suspended for the entirety of 2022 after gambling uh, on football games, including apparently he bet on... The Falcons. He bet on the Falcons to win. Uh, but obviously that is a big, big no-no. He said on Twitter, look, it was 1500 bucks. I don't have a gambling problem. I, didn't even, I couldn't even watch football at that point. But he was gambling. He watched enough to gamble on him, obviously. But 1500 bucks going to cost him about $11 million. If, if you don't have a gambling problem, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and $1,500, not only right now it's costing you your livelihood. Right, right, as yeah. well as your money. So, what is the problem? So, what does that, the problem consist of? That's kind of like the definition yeah, yeah, of a problem, because, right? Because I, I think we look at things wrong sometimes, Kevin. Like we think, man, it ain't. Co-. Well, think about this: addictions cost people money, jobs, livelihood, way of life. Calvin, that is what is happening to you right now, and you think it was only fifteen hundred? It cost you eleven million. Just say you did win the bet, and Calvin, <laughs> yeah, exactly. this is not. You're not going to win this battle of public perception. Stay away from tweeting. We still wish you the best, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Again, a lot to uh, digest as that story uh, continues to uh, move forward. Appreciate D. Orlando Ledbetter joining us here in the final hour of the program to talk about that. Also, Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus. Opio Mashariki from Savannah State joined us as well as Corey Yates back in hour number one. We'll see you tomorrow.